Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 150 of The Landy Lodge. And those 150 episodes would not be possible if not for the overwhelming support of the Sages of the Lodge. The Sages of the Lodge are the wonderful people whose names you see up on your screen right now. Uh, without them, none of this would be possible and my nonsense would just be sent off into the void. However, that's not the case today. So, in exchange, I have brought a very, very, very awesome guest into the Lodge today who I am happy to introduce, Prodigy XCD. Prodigy, dude, how are you doing, man? Thanks for stepping in here. Hello, thank you for uh, inviting me out here. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're doing good, Landy. Uh, again, <laughs> thank you for inviting me out. I appreciate the introduction. Uh, so, well, 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 what are we doing today? What's going on? Well, let me start with a couple things. First things first, what catalyzed this whole conversation was I saw you put out basically, uh, I don't know if it was a YouTube post or a tweet, basically saying that you felt Dream Drop Distance's story was underrated. I, too, uh, would agree with that take, although it is not a story or game free of criticism, that's for sure. But I, I do agree that there, at least to me, I found upon revisiting it, that there was a lot more to it than I initially thought. But before we dive into all of that, there is a mandatory question that I do need to ask you. I don't mean to ambush you, um, but of all the series, of all the stories, of all the games, of all the franchises... Why Kingdom Hearts, Prodigy? Why did you become not only become such a such a prominent Kingdom Hearts creator, but how did you how did you end up falling in love with this series as much as you did? Why this series over all the others? Well, for everyone's sanity, I will attempt to keep it short, uh, simple words. Um, but still, I'll I'll, di I'll dive you in a little bit. Kingdom Hearts essentially. I, is this a series I just have the most love for? Like, is this as simple as simple as that? Like, there's a lot of series out there that I love. I love Avatar. I love Jack and Daxter. I uh, love soon-to-be series like Octopath with them releasing uh, Octopath, Traveler 2 and stuff. Uh, love fighting games. I, I love a lot of things. But Kingdom Hearts just kind of stands above them all. It's something that just connects with me very personally and has helped me a lot in my life very directly. And... I just have like a very deep fondness over it. I got into the series when I was very, very, very young. Uh, I don't quite remember the exact age, but I generally say when I was like three or four years old, I saw the series and I was obviously as any kid who's like three or four, I was a big Disney fan. I loved Disney. I had a lot of toys. I had a lot of movies on DVD. Um, like late at night when I wasn't watching cable or whatever was on TV and I was just going to bed by myself on weekends. Um, I was often watching some Disney movie or something. So I see Don and Goofy next to this like cool anime character with like a key and all these cool Final Fantasy characters. They didn't know it was Final Fantasy at the time, but I just see all this cool stuff next to Disney characters I like. It was just like a perfect mix. I was like, whoa, what is this? Is this it's hard to not be amazed by what you saw with Kingdom Hearts 1 at that age. And um, I would say ever since then, I've, I've generally just been, I've always gone back to the series and eventually I would just be hooked completely as I would dive into more games, dive deeper into the story, deeper into the combat. And on the content side of things, the reason I decided to 
do content for Kingdom Hearts. It, it wasn't originally the first choice. I, I was originally a Minecraft channel. That channel is gone, so you're, you're not going to find the Minecraft channel. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I started doing Minecraft in like 2013 or something like that. I was I was a kid who loved Minecraft, uh, but I took a look at myself, and I was like 12 when I did this, 12 or 13, but I saw like this from a 1.5 released. I saw 1.5 come out. And I just got done beating Dream Drop Distance like a little bit ago. It wasn't that long after Dream Drop that 1.5 release. But 1.5, seeing Kingdom Hearts 1 being re-released or remastered, it brought me back to those days when I was playing Kingdom Hearts 1. And I, it brought back the fondness and those feelings I just described to you. And I kind of look, took a hard look at myself as like a content creator. I don't know why i did this at 13 i mean it wasn't that deep but it felt that deep to me at the time and i was like man i want to be making minecraft videos and trying to be some cool minecraft tuber because that's the trend I, mean, I love minecraft but like or do i want to make something that i know i can talk about for like ever and ever and ever and i that's why i kind of started diving into i'm sorry i dropped something <laughs> that's why i started diving into uh kingdom hearts a lot more so it's been a while. I mean, I'm, I'm only just now, I guess, like getting up there more in the cage community. But I've I love Kingdom Hearts so much. Like I people ask me all the time, why do I mostly do Kingdom Hearts stuff? And it's simply the easiest answer is just, I love it that much. Like you you want to the idea in life is to just try to do things that you love. And I love Kingdom Hearts. So, so that's what we're trying to do. I end up making that long winded. But that, trust me, that is the simple version of it. <laughs> But listen, dude, well, dude, you're on a podcast. Make sure, feel free to make everything long-winded. Um, get, <laughs> trust me, get it all out. But dude, that's that's actually really interesting to hear that you know you actually gave content creation on YouTube a whirl with another series first. I'd ask you what Kingdom Hearts had that Minecraft didn't, but I feel like you already kind of covered all of that. <laughs> um, but that's uh, really interesting to me. You know, I, I ask anyone who comes on here that's a Kingdom Hearts creator, I end up asking them that question and. You know, everyone's got a different answer at the end of the day, but yeah. it's it's obvious to me that Kingdom Hearts has a way of capturing like a genuine interest out of people. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of what we're going to talk about here today is probably going to be story related. I would love to touch on the gameplay, the soundtrack especially, uh, is something that I love. Um, but, you know, when it comes to Dream Drop Distance's story, I almost feel like no matter how many times you play this game, you're probably going to pick something out of it that you missed. I've probably played through it about, I think, four times. And every single time I revisit it, I find something new. But I'm curious, before we get into all of that, what was your first experience playing Dream Drop Distance? Was it a game that truly captured you the first time you played it? Because... For me, it actually took until I had a PlayStation port for me to actually really enjoy the game. I had trouble getting through it on my 3DS, but that had more to do with me kind of falling out of love with handheld gaming. Um, yeah. But I'm curious uh, about your initial experience with it and your reaction to the story and some of the additions to the lore in general. So to comment on what you said about handheld gaming, and then we'll get into the Dream Job Distance thing, because it it's related, I promise. I... I'm not a fan of handheld gaming. I originally wasn't. I'm more open to it nowadays. I'm 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 way less of a critic nowadays than I used to be when I was like a, a little pretentious teenager. Uh, but like, I 
I was not a fan of handheld gaming. The only thing that would ever get me to play something on handheld was Kingdom Hearts and was maybe like Mario or something or something super small. But like I, we had DSs, PSPs and stuff in my house, but they were basically Kingdom Hearts machines for me. That, that's, that's what they were. I played Kingdom Hearts, uh, Daxter on PSP. So when it came to Dream Drop Distance, we specifically got a 3ds and <laughs> i remember i, I feel kind of bad looking looking back at it a little bit but i, I like i sort of kind of like eased my sister like a hey, because we we us kids we were only able to get a certain amount of christmas presents we knew that um i was like easing my sister to like get a 3ds because like i i already knew what i was what i was trying to get I me mean, she likes gaming too i was like hey you want you want this 3ds right here we both like kingdom hearts and you know, we got the new kingdom hearts game dream drop distance coming out so i want to want to try it out i i definitely wanted to play dream drop really bad and it was it was very hard to convince my parents to get it for me but my sister you know she was the precious little like daughter so like she you know maybe mm. they'll get it for her and very we got the <laughs> yes, very strategic. But we got the 3DS, long story short. Um, and I played Dream Drop. I actually didn't beat Dream Drop on that 3DS, though. I I would have to borrow my friend's 3DS because I don't... I remember this reading that there was a problem with early 3DSs where, like, the right camera button would just not work for some people or, like, it would just mess up. That happened, and I, I would have to borrow my friend's 3DS for, like, certain weekends just to play Dream Drop Distance. And it took me, like, a year to finally, finally beat the game after many restarts, many kids, like, overriding my save file, uh, me having to restart. But to answer the initial question, because I'm going on a tangent, I loved the game when I first played. I, was, I would go as far as to say I probably liked Dream Drop just as much as i did kingdom hearts one which was my favorite game at the time um so i would i would say it was probably top two top three kingdom hearts games now of course it went down it went down over the years because when i reflect and retrospect on kingdom hearts games there's a lot of things that i i like about some of the other games that dream drop doesn't quite have but the way i like to describe like dream drop to a lot of people for me personally because everyone has their own personal experience with these games I think Dream Drop is very, what it did very good was its soundtrack was amazing. It was very colorful. I'm, attra- I'm, I'm just naturally attracted to like things that are just that, that colorful. It's just, it just looked really pretty. Very beautiful game to look at when it comes to the world or just the outfits. It's the whole aesthetic, especially Traverse Town. I love Traverse Town. Oh, Drop. my Lord. Also, the uh, but, uh, sleep. Uh, what, what is the actual title of the Dream Drop version of Traverse Town? Because I absolutely adore it. That version wow. of Traverse Town. Wait, the the song or the the name the, of the world? The song. The song. The song. I think it's like Traverse in Trance or something like something, that. It, it's something too. along the lines. Yeah. But I, yeah, I I, I love that dude. song. Very captivating. But um, I, I think Dreamed Up is very good at creating moments. I guess even if those moments don't always make the most sense initially, <laughs> it, it's. I think Jiro did a very good job at making you just go like, wow, especially towards the ending and that ending sequence. Yep. Like we talked about a little bit uh, before we started the podcast, like that ending sequence of dream drop. And when I say the ending sequence, basically everything from the world that never was after was just amazing to me. That, that oh, like yeah. sold the game so much for me. Um, I think with Sora getting captured, then you playing as Riku for the majority, for like the rest Riku's of the world. Game. Like, it, I feel like it, it yeah. became Riku's game at the end. 
Riku having to say save Sora, the big reveal because I at the time you know Birth by Sleep had only just come out like you know two years ago pretty much mm -hmm. right. Um, like you just saw this guy Master Xander, you find out he's the he's the original version of all these characters. You started like fighting later down the line, mm -hmm. and then you see him come back, and it's just like every, that game. That game is the foundation for a lot of what Kingdom Hearts Three ended up being through. Which Kingdom Hearts Three is now that that's my to to. Well, whatever opinion you have of three, it's my favorite game in the series. I love, I, I love KH3. It was a special game for me. And me Dream Drop is a big part in why three ended up being like one of my favorite games. Cause the way Dream Drop's ending would set up three. Oh, yeah. That was the start of the hype train, really. Like that, that was the start of the three hype train. Like well, outside a of the. They got so hype, right? Like they really yeah. leave you off at a place where you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see what's next. They that, really leave you there. Just it was so perfect. Out. It was just perfect. That that cool ending sequence for Zaynor too, like such a cool return in a series that has been like cycling villains. It truly felt like the the entrance of the grand villain. Like oh, now he's back. Like he's back. Not not some reflection of him. Not some other being conjured up from his death of sorts. Like he himself has returned. You know exactly and like even though xehanort didn't capture sora like he he, he you could say to a degree he he, he basically he broke yeah sora. He, he 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 did some real damage to them at the end at the end of dream drop distance so like he mm -hmm. he did some real like planning there like his his plan came together you know all the all the org members like you know to get together mm -hmm. the versions of of himself was it's just everything that they did to like lead you to that point to to that moment and when I would go back and read Ultimanias and stuff, which I would later do for content, and what adds even more to me liking Dream Drop is knowing, like after after uh, Dream Drop, or not after Dream Drop, but um, around the period after Kingdom Hearts Two, Namura was asked constantly in interviews about Kingdom Hearts Three, and this was around right before Birth by Sleep release, and he was basically gave the answer of I'm I'm planning and we're going we're going to release some things to, to build up to it but it will happen and trust me it will happen eventually and this is like five years before three's even announced mm -hmm. but he, he's just planning all this stuff and it, it's nice to see that plan kind of coming to fruition looking back at it so it's it's just it's just nice it's just nice to see dreamed yeah. up I just very fond of that game you know it's funny right as someone like myself I'm actually I've really love the game i'm very fond of it but i remember the first time i played it actually felt a bit like a low point in the series for me just because it had nothing to do with the story element just that like it made it made kingdom hearts 3 feel so far away because we were still yeah on I, I can feel games. that we were still on handheld games we were still doing subtitle games it just and you know, eventually I got through the story and I see like, oh, no, 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 we're at the cliff. Like, that is that is the next thing. It almost like erased all doubt for me that it was coming when I eventually got myself through the game. But just because like in so many ways it just dropped for me at the wrong time because like I don't think I've finished a handheld game since. I think that might have actually been the last like strictly handheld game I ever finished. Um, That's insane. Yeah, for real. I, um... And then when I got the all-in-one package on the PS4 and played that PS4 port, that to me unveiled everything the game was supposed to be. Because I could not, like Flow Motion, for example, on the 3DS, I could not in, in any way, I don't remember using it. I don't remember knowing 
much. Really? Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think it's just something I never could get a handle of. Or maybe it was like, maybe it was at a point in the game where I was so eager to see what's next. I just pressed X past the tutorial screen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but on the PlayStation version, I, I couldn't stop. I did it everywhere. It was everywhere I went. I needed to do it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if anybody else shares that experience with me. If maybe the game just didn't quite compute until it came to console for them. Um, but speaking of the story, the story was always something that not only got me excited, but made me feel like I wanted to go back and, and see more and see what I missed. Right? Like that is one thing I do recall about finishing dream drop distance is I went right back and played kingdom Hearts two and chain of memories like that. One was always a game for me. Kingdom Hearts one was always that game. I played like once a year. So like it was always getting played no matter what. But I remember beating Dream Drop and being like, I got to go back to Chain of Memories. I got to go back to two. And really almost kind of, it kind of ignited me becoming a lore junkie, even when the gameplay circumstances had alienated me. Alienated me rather. Yeah. I I, I get you completely though on, um, on both parts. Like I, I do... Although I love Dream Drop on the 3DS, admittedly, like it, I, I'm I don't prefer handheld games. I I didn't like how close. Uh, I didn't like the FOV that you had on the 3DS. Like you had caged one FOV in that game, which I do not think was the right decision there. But maybe you know because smaller screen and stuff. But playing it on PC, especially for me, but also on PS4, it was just a way better experience. Like it felt, it felt oh, so yeah. smooth, and like it, it, you're really able to have. It's weird how something as minimal as like a FOV can really change the way you like view the game. Um, but it literally does. It changes the way you view the game. You're able to kind of take everything in a little bit more instead of everything being scrunched up on this small little device. Uh, so it, it, it was. You're really able to like appreciate, I guess, more things about the game. Um, but man, Dream Drop, I, 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 even if I have a lot of criticisms with the game, mostly when it comes to bosses and little combat things, I think mm -hmm. that game might have some of the worst for me personally. I some think of the, the game might have boss some design. Of, I'd agree. 100%. E, e, yeah, I, I think it has some of the weakest in the series for sure. Um, it's there's a something. I don't. Know, I, I just have such a such fond memories of playing because when i was a kid right like I mean, this could just be me holding on to a lot of my memories as a kid but when i was a kid i wasn't that crazy about bosses i mean if a ball I, I basically viewed bosses okay is this easy is this hard i wasn't viewing it as okay what are these like mechanics or how how am i doing it like right. what what's the timing here and i'll i mean i was just mashing i, I was mashing until i beat the boss <laughs> for the most part um maybe forming slight traps in between but for the most part i was just i was having fun doing doing my thing so i i view dream drop more so as this like a story and like a casual experience because it was just like it was just fun it was just fun to mess around with and play i also did enjoy the dreamers a lot that's a big aspect mm. of dream drop that i I probably enjoyed that. I know a lot of people are like iffy about. I really love the Dream Eaters. The Dreamers were so fun to me. It's weird I say that too, because I it's not even like I've collected all of them, but like from the ones I did collect and from the ones that I did like max out and keep throughout most of my playthrough, I just had a lot of fun. It was very nice. I enjoyed that mechanic. I, I really did. I thought it was I thought it was a cool mechanic. And I also am very pleased to see that they're there. I don't know what your personal thoughts on this, but 
it seems like they're going to play quite a role in the future. Like, the future of the series is going to be a lot of Dream Eater and Nightmare uh, relevance. I, I would think so. Given that we saw, I, you know, the nightmares appear in, you know, the Union Cross era. I, I feel like Dream Drop Distance in general, I said this ever since we beat KH3 and we saw the Azora stuff. I feel like any answer to Varum Rex or any sort of hint leading more towards Varum Rex might be in Dream Drop. Because I feel like Dream Drop has a lot of lore and a lot of ideas that it presented that haven't been as fleshed out upon as some other ideas in the series. Like, we've relatively explored data a decent bit with Union Cross and recoding sli even slightly with kingdom hearts 3 uh but we haven't explored we honestly haven't explored the realm of sleep like much at all or that sort of dream realm we've been in dream eaters what are what are the dream eaters night nightmares like that that's something very isolated and dream drop and while we get like slight answers and slight talks about them we haven't dived deep into what these things truly are i mean when everyone found out in union cross that uh when union cross ended Dream Eaters are essentially dead player characters, you know, re yeah. like reincarnated or Dream Eaters. They're, they're, they're sp spirits of those players. It's like, wow, that this game just suddenly became a lot darker and a lot a lot more weight's been added to what we're doing in these games. But when we're playing Dream for the first time, we're just kind of running around, like, playing with these little cutesy Dream Eaters, not knowing they're, <laughs> they're dead children from, like, <laughs> potentially hundreds of years ago. It's like, dead wow, okay. Apocalyptic War. It's, exactly it's just it insane kind of, that, that's... It kind of explains why they're drawn to keyblade wielders and i love it because now it connects it to the past right? like, i love it when kingdom hearts pulls those kind of things off where it'll take something like the dream eaters which you, which again seems so isolated inside of uh dream drop distance but then you just give it a little time and it connects both backwards and forward like it goes exactly. all the way back it's so it's stuff like that that i absolutely can't get enough of and i think like you're saying, I think when we see a lot of this stuff flesh itself out, we're going to keep coming back to Dream Drop and being like, this mm -hmm. is where they pretty much told us, right? Like, Nekusei and Sia in Shibuya. Now, Quadratum is in Shibuya, but it was almost like circling the same drain there. Now, I'm curious about that. What did you think the World Ends With You characters were the first time you played? Well... Surprisingly, I, I kind of knew I knew there were ones with you characters when I played. I don't remember how, but I remember really? seeing the I remember seeing those characters before, and like I I knew there were ones with you characters. Now I didn't know much about them at all. I still yeah. to this day haven't played the ones with you, but I mean I I've been spoiled on a lot of plot details, of course, as being a Cage fan. But it's like, oh, uh, of course, the 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 ones with you characters that game. I feel like. Honestly, I, I feel I would debatably say I might have enjoyed their presence in Dream Drop more than I do like most Final Fantasy characters. It's because it just felt like they fit and they mesh well with Sora. They really in, like do. to like a in like a way. So I, I really want to see them again. I don't know if it'll be in Shibuya. I don't know if it'll be in some other way, shape, or form. Maybe we like maybe we run into them somewhere in Quadratum and they don't remember us. It, it, it's who knows what situation will happen in, but I, I just hope it happens essentially I, I just really hope it does happen because i think more of those crossovers in general kingdom hearts it's a big crossover series still one of the bigger crossovers in gaming that's was like partially known for the big square enix and uh disney crossover uh but i i i feel like it could go way beyond what it's already done like there's there's so many properties mm -hmm. disney and square enix owns actually that kingdom hearts could just 
take advantage of and bring more out of like i'm kind of surprised when i think about it that we haven't seen dragon quest in kingdom hearts yet considering how big of an ip that is with square it's interesting to see we haven't had that in kingdom hearts yet you know what it is because it's like a dragon quest is so big in japan i think square enix feels like it doesn't need any um doesn't i don't know maybe it doesn't need any sort of inclusion because i feel like part of with them including the world ends with you in kingdom hearts you know obviously story driven first and foremost most certainly but you know that introduced a lot of people to the world ends with you and people like yeah. myself might have never experienced the series had it not first been introduced in Dream Drop Distance, which funny enough, when I first played it, I, I had no idea who they were. I just assumed they were new characters. And like you said, they mesh so well that like if I was will I would have bought that they were original Kingdom Hearts characters. I had yeah. no idea where they were from, but I found them, I did find them so enjoyable. So I, I really do hope that they come back in the future of the series. And I'm an optimist when it comes to that. I think. How important they'll be up for debate. You know, they might be just as important as, say, Cloud, you know, which, <laughs> you know, yeah. take that for what it is. But I think they come back. I think you at least see them, at least think Eventually. they appear. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not in Kingdom Hearts 4. I think that's possible, sure. But somewhere down the line, they're going to come back in some way, shape, or form. I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, when I when I think about Orange with you inclusion in Kingdom Hearts, it it, it excites me for sure. I, I really need to like play the games more, but it, it excites me mostly just because I just want to see those characters again. I one of my favorite things about Kingdom Hearts, just in general, this goes game to game. One of the biggest things I look forward to. I, I slightly talked about this with you before we started. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Disney fan. I'm a big Disney fan with Kingdom Hearts. Uh. Disney is one of the biggest things I look forward to when it comes to a new Kingdom Hearts game, whether it's the worlds they add or uh, just the different Keyblades, combat mechanics we get introduced to from these Disney movies, new links, summons, whatever it may be. Uh, seeing some of my movies that I love growing up representing Kingdom Hearts, or even new movies I love now, like Encanto, for example, or Moana, I just love seeing them adapted nowadays. And a big part of that is because... Back in the day, we used to get a lot of licensed games for Disney movies, and they were relatively decent, to be honest. Like, licensed games in the PS2 era, they weren't that bad. I mean, some were pretty bad, but, like, some of them are actually pretty playable, pretty good games. I actually stand on their own a little bit. You don't really get that nowadays, like, at all. Like, at all. Licensed games are not that big of a thing now, unless it's, like, anime or some, like, fighting game. They're, they're very, like specialized licensed games now they don't just they don't just make games to promote a movie like that anymore unless it's like a mobile game where you're just, you're just swiping or something well because gaming um, has so, a bigger budget now you know it used to yeah. it used to like like you're saying used to release a video game like men in black 2 you know it used to release exactly on playstation 2 and it was just it was just a slice of the marketing budget that was made to put that out there as a means to you know spread spread awareness but games have reached a point where Companies don't really have that luxury. You kind of have to be all in in order to really reap the benefits of, you know, literally creating a game. So, you know. Exactly. So now with Kingdom Hearts, like, I view a, a big it's thing a I love about Kingdom Hearts is it's one of the... Kingdom Hearts is one of the few ways you get more out of any of these Disney properties, even if it's not anything crazy. Like, you know, people aren't... the Like, I'm not going to say Mulan or, like... uh I, I don't know. I'm not going to say Mulan or Big Hero 6 are 
super perfectly represented in Kingdom Hearts. Or I'm just throwing out examples. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. But just random examples. I'm not going to say every Disney movie is one-to-one perfect with how they are in the movie uh, versus the world in Kingdom Hearts. But it's it's kind of like the only... It's the only way you somewhat get that nowadays. Like, yeah. it, it, like think about it. Like, with Big Hero 6 or with tangled for example or let's say we do get a moana world or pirates of the caribbean right like when's the last time you saw pirates of the caribbean in that good of a quality in a video yeah. game format like it's just not it's just not happening anymore no. it's only happening in kingdom hearts really so kingdom That's hearts kind of has a chance game. to re revitalize some of these properties and i think that could go the same for final fantasy games too that's a big reason people like to see final fantasy in kingdom hearts because not well well right now we're getting remakes of like seven and stuff hopefully we get a nine remake too right mm-hmm. um i oh, please 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 a, oh. a lot of a lot of these final fantasy properties are just done right like five like I, you know 13 that we're not getting as much prop stuff for nowadays you could relive those memories or see them in kingdom hearts it's nice to see like those little cameos it's well we take cool that's why people love crossovers we take for granted that, like, in a pre-Final Fantasy VII remake world, the only way to get more out of Aerith was Kingdom Hearts. You know, if you if you wanted Aerith to be alive, there was a place you could go. It wasn't Final Fantasy VII OG. But, you know, it was, to prove your point and speak to your point, there was that sort of appeal of, like, oh, wow, I can, I can get to know who Aerith would have been had she not died. I can get to see what would happen if Yuffie from Final Fantasy VII... Meet Squall from Final Fantasy VIII and how they'll bicker. Yeah, you know it just it it, it opened and, up all of that, which was so cool. And, and to a degree, I know some people aren't as big of fans of that, and I can't speak as hard for Final Fantasy because I, I can't say I'm the biggest Final Fantasy fan like in in the world or anything. Mostly because I just haven't played every Final Fantasy or a lot of them even. I mostly most of my experience is with seven, slightly fifteen, and. Uh, I, I'd say I'd say I know the stories of a couple like eight and um, some of the older ones, but I I feel like a big thing with Disney and Final Fantasy or anything Kingdom Hearts like you know decides to bring in or breathe new life into. Some people want it to be exact one to one how they were in like their games, and sometimes it's like that, sometimes it's not. But it's I, I feel like it's nice to see these characters. I guess have new stories like you said with Aerith like what would what could she have been like or what could she have been like if she didn't you know die and it's interesting to see that because it's it's outside of fan fictions and stuff fans make it's an official version of it's it's an it's an official like other universe I guess Mm -hmm. version of that character to a degree like in the Kingdom Hearts world Cloud and Sephiroth are like what I, I i don't know i forget exactly they're like what like nobody's heartless equivalent of each other or something like i think... like the other heart of cloud or some the darkness of cloud yeah, it, it's that's like, like how they represent in cage yeah the sephiroth and cage is at least his lore implications are very different than that of seven it's along yeah. the lines of what you were getting at that he's kind of conjured up from the darkness in, in cloud's heart and i think namura said in an interview that like at least with the little subplot that's going on in uh, 1 and 2. Um, it's supposed to be like Sephiroth is kind of a representation of the dark in his heart. And Tifa kind of serves as the light. Um, I'm, it was either Nomura or maybe it was Nojima. But I think it was Nomura yeah. who said that. 
it, it, it's definitely vague enough for them yeah. to like have some wiggle room, but that, that's, that's like along the lines of what they're like definitely saying. But yeah, these man, I I want to see Kingdom Hearts. This I want to see Sora interact with this more of these characters. That's another thing. Sora interacting with these characters. He's my Sora's my favorite character just in media period. I love Sora. I I, I love to seeing him interact with new people, making new friends, even if it's like the simplest of interactions. It's just nice to see. Sora interact with like your favorite Disney character or your favorite Final Fantasy character because yeah. now and stuff wondering what if that happened you're like man that can actually well, happen because you know it's Kingdom Hearts and we, we could they could kind of do what they want with that. Well, I want to see him continue to return to characters that he already knows pretty well. Like it's always great to see him pal around with Hercules. I in particular like probably my favorite Disney interaction ever came from Kingdom Hearts three when um. It's the whole Davy Jones fight. And Sora um, basically says towards Davy Jones that he knows what it's like to share his heart with others. And Davy Jones is like, what does a whelp like you know about the heart? And then Jack Sparrow is like, yo, that whelp has seen more of the world than you know. And that's... Exactly. It's like hypes up Sora so much. Yeah, it is especially worth noteworthy because Jack Sparrow, I believe it's implied in two. He knows Sora's from somewhere else. He knows Sora's kind of um, an X factor that he's not from the pirates world. Like there's a there is a there is the implication that Jack is like kind of led on to that because he's a trickster too, and that's one thing I love too. You wouldn't think Sora and Jack Sparrow are similar, but I love that. I believe it's Goofy who makes the comparison between the two, and you kind of see they're both pretty reckless. You know, they're both optimistic to a fault. Um, they both get themselves in deep situations where somebody has to come and bail them out. Um, but it's it's just stuff like that. I want to see him. I want to see these characters hold a reverence for him because it's like Sora goes to all these Disney worlds and he brings order to the chaos. Their world is like in in complete disarray wherever he goes, and he goes and fixes it. So I love seeing a character like Jack Sparrow, who barely has respect for anyone, mind you have such reverence for a character like Sora. I think things like that build into Sora and make him more likable and lovable than even some character interactions can do. You're you're a speak you're taking the words right out of my mouth. That's that's something I like about three in general that I yeah. think is under underrated a little mm-hmm. bit. It's definitely a different viewpoint of Sora to a degree. Uh but I I think one thing I say a trait that Sora has that I think puts him above others in the cage series you could essentially say this is part of the reason why even other like cage characters like even though he's not a keyblade master like they they know Sora's like kind of like stronger like they know Sora 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 is where it's going to come down to at the end of the day even though Sora doesn't that pressure weighs on Sora and he showed that in three everyone knows deep down as strong as they are Sora, Sora's special. He he's the one. Maybe maybe not the chosen one because there, there's a technical chosen one in Kingdom Hearts, maybe two. But well, look at that's theory talk. But like Sora, he's he, he he's special. He's a special kid, very special. Even Xehanort acknowledges this, like in Dream Job. He's like that's one of my favorite lines uh, from Xehanort. He's like a Keyblade wielder, unlike I've I've ever seen before, or something like that. It's like, like this dull, ordinary boy. Um, he refers to him, which is funny because I feel like it, it's almost kind of like a paradox that he's like, this dull, ordinary boy, he's the one causing all this trouble? Like, yeah. he's the one thwarting all our plans? Like, 
it, it's almost like it makes him even more special to him. It's like, it, yeah, go ahead. It, it's all intentional too with yeah. Nomura because in in a, I think it was in the Birth by Sleep Ultimate. He he answered this question. I, I I'm not gonna be able to quote it exactly, but uh, for anyone who knows where to get the Birth by Sleep Ultimate, if you just wanna, I don't know, if you wanna look at the videos I made on them, I guess it's like in. So they they asked like about Sora. I forget exactly what the question was, but Namura's intentions with Sora. We all we know Sora isn't even Namura's favorite character. I, I think Namura's favorite character is like it's probably Xehanort, and after that maybe it's Riku or something because that's just that's just the, the vibe Namura has mm -hmm. with the those characters. At least in terms of writing or in terms Zora. of I think Sora is about to be his number two. Probably, yeah. But he he does have a special. Nomura does love Sora a lot because he he knows what he knows who he's creating him for. He Nomura's message with Sora is that even though they they call Sora dull, ordinary, basic, essentially, like there's nothing super special about his personality aside from the fact that he's just happy and cares for for others. Like he he's not he doesn't have some dark dramatic thing going on like Riku. He doesn't have like he doesn't have some like angst or edge like Terra. Like I don't know. He he doesn't have like a little sassy side like Kyrie or Aqua. Like he like Sora is meant to just be an ordinary boy who becomes special. It's like he he wasn't born of any sort of like he wasn't born to be special. He wasn't born to be like any anything in particular. He became special because he cares about others. That's that's like Nomura's intention with Sora. Well, yeah, I mean, Aqua passed on him essentially when she visited Destiny Islands. Yeah, was like, oh, Riku's they, they all did. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like Sora's just playing around in the background, and and Riku's over here having this whole deep conversation with Terra. Which, you know, it's funny. Um, actually, I, I, you know what? I want to take it back to Dream Drop specifically for a second here. Because I think probably the most divisive thing about that game is the time travel that was introduced. Yeah. And I wanted to get your personal take on that. And was that something that ever confused you at first? And did, when it, if it confused you, did it make you feel alienated? Or were you like, ah, I'll get around to understanding that eventually? Like, how did how did your first sort of impact with this kind of time travel because time travel has been in kingdom hearts before but this particular time travel um how did you in particular react to that my first reaction to it uh, so i have an initial reaction and then i have a i when i thought about it reaction which are very different when i first thought when i first like got that introduced to me i kind of just ate it up i was like whoa what because I was like, whoa, Namura's so smart. Or like, I was like, whoa, this, this is such a big, big plan. Xehanort is like the, the most, is like the smartest villain I've ever seen in my life. Like, that's how, that's why I was like, I was like, bro, how the heck do you do like, it? To me, that made Xehanort seem more intimidating. That's yeah. how I took it. Like, he yeah. can do all of this. This is the, like, how do, we how, how do you it? beat this? How do, you how do we it? beat this? Like, yeah. That's how I was. So for me, it, at initially, it, it aided in making Xehanort seem more intimidating. And it, mm. I just took it for what it was. I didn't think too deeply about any aspect. I was confused about the body part. I was like, what are you saying? But I just took it as, okay, they're smarter than me. So that's, that's a, that, that's crazy. It's like, it's like one of the, one, like an adult is explaining to you like stuff as a kid. Sometimes you don't, you don't understand what the heck they're saying sometimes, but 
you're you're you 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 know they know what they're talking about. Yeah. That that's how I interpret. It. I'm like, okay, they know what they're talking about. Maybe I don't, but that <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out later. So that that's crazy. <laughs> Just the little bit I can understand that's crazy. Now, when I thought about it, and I had the is this a good story thought in my head, I was like, this is very confusing. I wasn't too critical on it, but I was I was basically like, uh. It'll probably be explained in three, which was kind of what it was like, <laughs> the the road to three. I remember that, that was what everyone said. Like, oh, it'll be explained in three. That's what I was like in time travel. With time travel. And I do think three sort of kind of like seeing it made it make a little more sense visually, right? Even if it's not the cleanest of ways it works. I think the whole replica thing that they added on to it made that make a lot more sense because that yes. can... That that helped me with the whole body and heart transfer thing. Cause I'm like, there was a lot of weird pulls or things in that, but the whole replica program mm. that basically gave them a solid point to put their heart into. So it's like, okay, we have this replica that you can put transfer your heart and everything, your image in into both here in the past, wherever you decide to time travel to. That's that made that be a lot cleaner of an explanation, even though it's still confusing. Time travel is never going to not be super confusing. There's some stories that do it simple. There's some stories that do it in a more convoluted way. I'm, I would say I'm actually kind of into time travel stories now. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen an anime called Steins Gate. I love oh, the way Steins Gate does time travel. i got a friend of mine that's been recommending me that for years, just because like what? I am a fan of time travel when done right. And like that's a bit yeah. tricky like done right because there's no scientific explanation for time travel but this is particularly why i love kingdom hearts time travel because it sort of obeys its own laws it kind of establishes laws that fit into a pre-established lore and you know it's not it's not the same as like okay a character stayed up late one night and figured it out and all you got to do is put this pod in a machine and then boom um yeah this one in more particular is that like you know, there's a set of guidelines that you need to follow. It needs to be somebody there with memories of you, things along those lines. And it's like, ah, oh, this is playing into the series tropes. And this is sort of, the yep. series is sort of obeying its own scientific laws as opposed to trying to create some half-baked idea of how time travel could work with modern physics. I don't know. I've just, yeah. I've seen it tried a million times. And I actually do prefer the ones that, don't take it as seriously, but also, like Kingdom Hearts, create the logic in a way that fits into pre-established lore. I, I, I think time I think time travel um I think time travel works best when there is clear limitations. Cause I think yes. that that that's when time travel is most understandable. Cause like you said, the concept of time travel itself is very iffy because you know, we scientifically it's like yeah we're not, we're <laughs> just, yeah it's it was not it not quite there yet yeah. um but when you write a story and you're you establish clear limitations with time travel that's what the viewer is going to grasp onto a lot more because time travel itself is convoluted it's always going to be convoluted there's never going to be a version of time travel that's not convoluted or has some sort of holes or plot in it there's some that are more understandable than of others course. but as a concept time travel is just it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. This is a whole lot to think about. Um, so 
you need to give the viewer limitations to grasp onto. And that's why I think Dream Drop didn't do as good initially. I think the limitations with time travel weren't as clear. We knew it existed and mm -hmm. the product of it uh, was fine. And it made sense. You did it to make like your villain more intimidating and bring all these past versions of Xehanort to life. So instead of it, it, it basically it was like a wraparound. It was like a full circle one from like the ending of K of cage two's plot with the organization. So like you, mm -hmm. you know, thir 13, 13 Xehanort's the big bad guy uh, from that. You see in birth by sleep that you met and you saw the first version of in cage one and cage two, a whole full circle moment of now all of them are back plus some and you're fighting 13 versions of me because only I can do this right. That's basically what he's like. Mm -hmm. Only like um, I I know how to fulfill he's my the plan child now. Of destiny. At least that's what he's yeah, told his whole life. Exactly. Uh, but the limitations of like, okay, who can, can't, what, how, but well, what if my body's here? What if this person has like slight memories of me? What if the person that has memories of me is a time? I don't know all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like. Those limitations were established way better in, in three, because I think in they kind of made Union it so Cross. that... I think Union Cross did a good job, like, re-establishing exactly. re it. Like, I don't know, the way uh, Union Cross sort of presented it actually made it really simple. I guess because they literally just used pictures. I could, almost, I could actually picture it in my head, like, them going over it. Um, but I would agree with you that, you know, while the introduction to it, I think, successfully made Xehanort seem more intimidating... Um, I, uh, also think it did take until later entries in the series for them to fully flesh it out, which again is okay. I feel like a lot of the times Kingdom Hearts, no pun intended, is going to leave you in the dark intentionally. <laughs> They're going to leave yeah. you in the dark on a lot of things because part of the fun. It, it's part of the fun. It's how the story reveals itself to you. Like, would it have been any, how much less fun would this have been if we knew Zigbar was Lushu in Dream Drop Distance, right? Yeah. But now you play three and you go back to Dream Drop and you're like, oh, of course he has such a huge presence in the end game. You know, three? Of course, you know, of course he's like the sort of like vocal leader of this like new organization that's forming. Like, of course he's the one taunting Sora. It's it. Oh. Yeah. I three by itself, like a single cutscene in three. Oh god. Skyrocketed Zigbar. Like I like I would say that character was probably if I had to put him on a tier list, I would maybe say like I loved him a lot more. I'd say like B bottom A. I love most KH characters, but like Zigbar would have definitely have been on the higher end of organization characters I like, but lower on the scale of like other characters. He would have been way behind all the other keyblade wield stuff. But three? That <laughs> epilogue? I still think I still think that epilogue. It is one of the best cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts. That was one of the oh, best easily. executed cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts this period. That was like that. That is that is a perfect full circle moment. Hypes up. It does everything. It concludes a big story arc. It hypes up the next saga. Leaves you wanting more. And most importantly, it 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 does it with like does this this cadence and perfection that is just like 
just wow. It's, it's just like, wow. They they made back cover. And I understand like now why back cover was a thing. Because like oh, back cover feels like it has a lot of things that just aren't expand upon like that aside from like the master cutscenes. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, I kind of just feel like the way I view back cover, back cover was made for, for that cutscene. They made back cover yes. just for the epilogue. Yes. That's how that's I view it. Good, that's such a good way of putting it. But it paid off. Like it, it yeah. really, really did pay off. And Again, there's that power that Kingdom Hearts has that when these later entries come out, going back, going back just becomes more rewarding. And I'm wondering, like, how far is that going to go with Dream Drop? Is Kingdom Hearts 4 going to come out? And now we learned even more that we can come back to Dream Drop and see. And it makes you wonder, right? Because, God, like, who knows what happened when Sora was asleep for those seven days? Is there going to be a dream sequence that we're going to get to see? Who knows? Um, And then now we know the realms of sleep and death sometimes overlap and often touch. It's like now that Sora is quote unquote dead, are we going to see a lot more of this dream stuff sort of reintroduced? Um, It's implied a little bit with Yazora. It feels like Yazora kind of has like some sort of sleep or dream powers. At least that's how I kind of interpret it from like, Three's like reminds a whole secret episode, which I'm still trying to decipher if that's. I I've made like so many videos and theories about this. I'm. What do you think, by the way? Uh, do you do you feel like that interaction actually happened with Yazora and Sora? Like, did you feel like that was a real thing that happened, or do you feel like that like like what was that? Because so Yazora was asleep, yeah. and in both endings, he both endings. Like I, I often say to people, it doesn't matter which endings canon. Which even though we know it's the good one, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't matter even if even if it did go the other way because Yazora wakes up in both of them at the end. Yeah. Like he he wakes up from like some dream. So it's like, was that a dream for Sora? Was he actually part of that, or was that just like I, I don't know? It, there's a lot of mystery in that. Now, that's the thing with Kingdom Hearts in general. That's one thing I love about Dream Drop. Dream Drop did this pretty well, and I think. The future of the series, I always say this, the biggest thing I'm so excited about the future of Kingdom Hearts is mystery is back per se. And I say that with a question mark because I'm not trying to say three didn't have mystery, but we do. The, the, tra- the trailers the trailers definitely made it hard for K3 to have any like actual mystery to a degree. And outside of the trailers too. The whole story for three was set up, so three became a became a game that was all relying on yeah. execution. It wasn't relying on surprises, or well, it had surprises, of course, but like it wasn't super reliant on new plot points or surprises being introduced. It was just very much so. Let's expand upon what we have and try to tie this up. Let's tie up how the day show is going to come back. Let's mm-hmm. tie up how the birth by super show is going to come. Let's tie up this Keyblade War. Let's see. Uh, let, let's tie up all all these like little little loose ends. They introduced some new stuff here and there, but like for the most part, three was a game very much so about execution rather than introducing a lot of new plot points. It still did to a degree, mm-hmm. um, but mostly things that would end up being in Union Cross. That's what three three did a lot of Union Cross pandering. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, well, or a lot yeah. of key pandering. That's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, and you know, yeah. now that we see that they're roping. They're kind of trying to connect the two eras together. We see why, but it wasn't wasn't yeah. quite as clear, you know, when it came out. It, um, it came out of detriment for sure for for like people who initially played the game, and especially people who aren't into so. the mobile games. But four, 
Yazora, like, it, it, there's so much mystery that is surrounding well, them. And yeah. even after Four's trailer, it's like the idea that we truly and like no no one knows where where the series is going from here. We have little ideas like okay, we have Quadratum. We don't even know what Quadratum fully is. We have Yazora. Okay, explain explain to me who you, who or what Yazora is. No no one can fully answer these questions, and that's like the fun of it. Beforehand, we we could honestly explain a lot of things about three. We we were able to like say we were able to confidently say something worked like this or worked like that, and how they would end up doing it would be like different here and there i'm not i'm not i don't want to say predictable i want to say through is predictable at all but like i feel like we we had like we had a guideline we we definitely had a very clear like guide guideline for how three was maybe going to kind of play out is end up like to be what would they actually do this or do that but what four and i hope it stays this way throughout all of its advertising tour releases we literally don't know anything. We we do not yeah. know what they're doing. We don't know what the master's full intentions are. He he's giving us little pieces here and there, but that's it's so mysterious, and I I love it. It brings me back to those like OG Kingdom Hearts one days where when Sora went to Traverse Town, he didn't even know what was going on. Like when he got the key late, he he doesn't know what this weapon is. When Riku when Riku was doing his thing in Hollow Bastion, when we were talking about Kingdom Hearts and Heartless. We don't have all the answers to it. We we really we really don't. We we don't we barely have anything to latch on to. And it's it's kind of fun to have that. Yeah, that's I think that's what's made the post Kingdom Hearts 3 world as enjoyable as it has been is that um and this is to an extent always been the case with Kingdom Hearts, but it's like the more we see the less we know. And it feels like that's fallen off a cliff. Where it's like every little thing we see now spirals us into like a million different questions but speaking of questions i wanted to get into your question earlier about whether or not that interaction really happened i have to believe that it did i have to believe that it did the the realms of uh sleep and death touch zora was asleep sora was dead um boom right there you have a reason for the two of them to overlap on top of that the most peculiar line from that scene is him waking up and seemingly luke sword going impressive is it not? And it's like, what? Is what impressive? Is what impressive? Like, is that a technology Yazora used? Is that a lucid dream technique he used? Is is he referencing Sora and whether or not Sora is impressive? But he said, impressive, is it not? Not like impressive, is he not? You know, yeah. that particular line keeps throwing me. And I'm like... I didn't think about that. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, so this this whole like little lucid dream Yazora had, it was Luke Sword's idea? Or he had something to do with it? I don't know. It's That particular part drives me nuts. But additionally, what I would say to maybe um, build the case that it did happen is they revealed too much. They revealed too much rel- what would be taken as relevant information for it not to have happened. Like, um, this isn't what I really look at like. Uh, Sora saying, oh, that girl, she told me about you. So, because, yeah, at first he's like, wait, you can't be real, but wait. She told me about you, so you must yeah. must be real. Like it's, uh, there's that is my much. that is my that is one of my proudest moments. And there's there's definitely some other people who, who who like came up with this too. Like like it's I I was one of the few people I saw at least. I think there was a couple of others, but everyone else when it came to the nameless star, they're like, oh, it's Trilicia, it's Ava, or it's like X character. I was like saying. 
I think it's the girl from the Vera Mascara. We're still not quite confirmed on that, but I, I, I feel no, kind no, of no, like, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. kind of close. Cause I'm like, you know, the fact that she was talking about Zora, I was right about that part, that, that star girl. Cause I'm like, I analyzed that reaction that Sora had when he was talking to her. And I'm like, I, I everyone else was, was just thinking like about the name, like, okay, what's the name? And I, I'm thinking like, okay, who would Sora react to like this? He's not going to react like who, he would have no reaction if he if someone said Ava yeah. or someone said Strelitzia. He it has to be someone he's heard about because he reacted with like a surprise like face or like a he reacted with a surprise face with like a like a prank look like he well, like he was looking around like am I am I getting pranked? <laughs> and then yeah, it's the Azora and it's like okay. But I will say, I will say, and this might be due to localization. I see where those Strelitzia the uh, theories came from at the time, said, yeah. Because she's like our secret, and then Larkseen's last word words are like my secret, and then Marluxia when he dies, like oh my purpose for being, but he doesn't outright say what it is. So I see how people could have strung the three of those together. I never, yeah. I was in a way I never knew what to make of the Nameless Star personally. Um... I was taken completely by surprise, but when Sora said that girl she told me about you, I thought about I thought Nameless Star right away, and I was like, "Wait, no way, no, 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 uh, no way." You know something um, interesting? I, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna get flack for this or not. I think I've said this before on stream, though. I mean, I, I can't say I I don't think this like I don't hard think this, but it's like what K H for. I'm, I, this is me being so wrapped up into the lore. I understand why they did Cage 4. I kind of, sort of, kind of was hoping they would explore more side projects a little bit. Because there are so many, like, loose ends with, like, Union Cross's story and stuff. I wanted them to get, like, focused. Because, like, well, Birth by Sleep or, like, Dream Drop or, I don't know, some, like, some of the others, like, Days. When we have, one thing that's really good about Non-Number Tiles is that a character like Roxas gets focused on in a non-number talk compared to being like a yes not a side character but compared to being like just a chapter in sora's story the number titles belong like, to sora at the end of the day exactly so when i heard and number confirms when i heard cage four i was like oh i don't mind this i love sora like i i'm wrong I, I prefer sora to be the main character numbers i do not i don't need a number title where sora is like no, not the main character i definitely too. want multiple characters yeah. though yeah, I definitely want multiple playable characters in KH games. I think we just we should just have it now, so these so these segments get more fleshed out. But I I definitely would have loved to have like a Veramrex game where it was like a Yazora game or like a Yazora Riku game or something. I would have loved to have like a Kyrie game or an idea. I don't think they're gonna do this because I don't. I think I think it just wouldn't. I don't think it would sell that well. I don't know if it would because I just think the character's not that popular. But he is, but he he isn't. I I think Lorium could have his own game if they really wanted to, because of like Union Cross and because he he like lands in a he lands in a time period where he's pretty young, like still. Yeah, like, there's a he, bit of a gap that you could. Like, there's a gap there, and like like the search for Shalitia and then getting into the organization. Like you could you can make you can maybe say he like found something or he like. Maybe he, maybe right before he joined the organization and lost some of his memories, maybe he like got a found a clue and then like you know Zigbar snatched him up or something or like 
I don't know. Like, I, there, there's a game you could maybe make about there, like a little short story. I want to see if we cool. were gonna go down that road. I want the Lushu game. Lushu game. Lushu game. That would be. That could be the coolest cage game ever. Just him traveling Hell throughout yeah. time. Hell yeah. Just waking up as a different person constantly. That that is that is a very different cage game, but that would be so good. That would be so good. And you know what would be really trippy? Imagine you played them out of order. Or like, you know, you just like you just kept cycling between bodies. So so you so you almost kind of feel like Lushu, like there's just like a lacking identity. Cause like every chapter you're switching to a different body in a different time. Slowly loses himself until he grabs the keyblade again. Yeah, yeah, and it's... No, go ahead, go ahead. The my, I'm so sorry. The You're the fine. character file, the character file. If you remember that, he that that was so like eerie. Like this reading Lucio. If you read the Kingdom Hearts character files, yeah, uh, this file that was very just like kind of kind of disturbing in a way because like who was just losing himself Dude, like this is why he's the the wielder of no name he has no identity he has nothing to him he's just a vessel that fills a role and he knows it like literally at the end of the epilogue ah, these days they call me zigbar but hey, whatever suits you like he doesn't even care what his name is like lushu oh i haven't heard that name in a long time what's lushu you know like he just seems so detached from any sense of just reality, it you just, just blew just, my mind. By the way, I want you to know that I did not think about that. Dude, <laughs> he's the blank like, slate. He's the he's the wielder of no name. I did not think about that at he's all. He's the no name wielder, wow. man. Yeah, <laughs> wow. we don't even know what he really looks like. Like it's just he's no name, no identity. Just it, he's it's just crazy. the master's eye. That that's that's really what he is. He's such a fat... He's literally... I, I go on this rant so much. But, like, he's really one of the most fascinating characters I've ever witnessed in my life. Like, in anything. Not just Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I, I agree. games. Like, anything. Well, Lushu's top three for you. My, well, what are your top three characters, by the way? I top three? Okay. Oh, man. It's, it's always changing. But there's two who are always in there, and that's Riku and Lushu. But... The third slot, man, it's just a cycle between, like, Aqua, Master of Masters, Sora, and on a good day, Roxas. On a good day. That number three slot can't be filled, but Lushu and Riku, easily in my top three. What about yourself? Sora's number one. That doesn't change. Uh, And my... I have a confirmed top three, but they switched spots for number two and number three. Okay. And that is Lushu and Xion. Ah, uh, Xion. It, it switches depending on the day. I'm a, I'm a big Xion fan. I love Xion. Mostly because I just think, I think she's one of the only characters in Kingdom Hearts that, that borderline has like a, just perfect story. Like, no. She's the ultimate nobody. No, no, like. Barely any hiccups. I, I guess the only slight hiccup in Xion's story and like her writing might be her return. But even then, I I don't really I'm not really bothered by the way she she returned personally. But that might be the only thing. But outside of that, I think the way her story was in days and the thing that led to her return is it, just perfect. It's it's like actually perfect. I I argue I, I played Days for the first time. By the way, like the story, the game I played for the first time like two years ago. Uh, I never had the chance to finish it when I was a kid, and I finally got to finish it on stream like a couple years ago. But 
I would argue to a degree, like a decent bit of days is is, is just is just about Shion. Even when you're playing as Rox, there's a point in the story where like Rox doesn't really have much new going on unless it's related to Shion. Like almost everything in that plot is like very Shion driven. Well, I think I think because it's you know so much of the the story speaks to us through Shion, and so much of what yeah. so much of what the story's of like about speaks to us through it. Like, oh, you know, Zemnis is going around telling everybody, ah, nobodies don't have hearts. You can't grow hearts. The only way we can get them is capture Kingdom Hearts. You, whatever, right? But with Shion, you, with her, you see it's all a lie. You clearly see her grow a heart. It's so clear. And this is why I love the master's line, the truth is what you see with your eyes, not what you hear. Because it, the series dialogue is full of liars and people who don't have all the information yet. And that's part of what Ansem the Wise is all about. But, like, the series is just full of people making mistakes or lying or, again, just not having all the right information at hand. So, if you're just looking with your eyes, it's so clear nobodies have hearts, if you just look at Axel, Roxas, Shion. And it's so clear that even a puppet like Shion can grow a heart. It, yeah. It's just, like, she goes from being, like, just so timid and just so blank to just becoming sassy. That, that, that's awesome. what Days is. That's what Days is literally about. Shion also has so much. I, I playing Days made me dislike the movie for Days a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I'm wrong. The movie's great. So much. It, it is great to like get the full thing of the story, I guess, or like just to get the the, the bullet points right. But it is. It removes so much personality between the trio because it kind of just covers a lot of I, the way I say the way I say it. Remember how I said how I think a lot of the plot of Days is driven by Shion. Yeah. I kind of feel like, hmm. I I kind of feel like I don't know if I don't know if I I don't know if this is like exact or I, if I think this one to one. But I, this is it's a feeling. I feel like the story of Days the movie. It, folk, it has a lot more of a Roxas focus, if that makes sense, and focusing a lot of, about, like, Roxas's perspective, and this is through, like, them reanimating cutscenes and blah, blah, which are mostly really faithful to the game. But a lot of those in-between moments that give you even more context, like the wall of text you read that is really just a summary. It doesn't even go fully in-depth into what's going on during the worlds. Um, a lot of that is stuff with like Shion or Axel, a lot of the a lot of the bonding here here and there. Like at Rox is actually living like you know those those days where uh where Axel is gone, which actually feels like a decent bit of time in the game when you when you're playing it. Like Axel's gone for like uh, mult like multiple hours and stuff. Feel I feel it. like you feel it more. Exactly. I feel like hmm. the game of days it, it it it's more. It just does more. It does a lot more, and of course it does because you know it's a move, movie, three-hour movie versus like a wow. Well, I would say like a fifteen to twenty-hour game, depending on how much how many missions you decide to complete. But Shion especially, I think, is robbed in the movie. I think Shion, you do not get a perfect like example of Shion's personality through through the uh, through the movie. It's she's like. That Shion, Shion might have. I, I would argue Shion probably has like some of the most personality in this series. Like she's she's like this weird mix of like 
Kyrie and Aqua that I just kind of I just kind of love. Like she can be pretty reliable and like you know she knows how to get things done mm -hmm. with her keyblade. She's really strong, but she also has this like KH one slash two Kyrie. Well, mostly one. She also has this like KH one Kyrie like sassiness, but in in her own way that is this root that you, you just like. And seeing her bond with Rocks and become friends with with the uh, all of them, it, it's just great. I think Roxas in days is like he 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 honestly. People see Rox as a very like angry character, and he definitely is by the end of days. But through most of days, he isn't even like that. Ro Rox is very, very simple throughout most of days. Like most of his personality in days, there's a lot of things here and there. But for the most part, he's kind of like, okay, I just want to hang with my friends. I'll do this mission. Maybe I don't like it, but at least I get to eat ice cream at the end of the, end of the day. The only time where he starts getting mad, slowly getting frustrated, and you see all these little things with him is when those things stop happening, when things start getting complicated, it's, it's almost like a Sora. It, it, it's, it's almost, it actually is a parallel to Sora. He is his nobody, actually. So it's like Sora's perspective is very much so, man, I just want to save my friends. I just want to do this. I just want to do that. I don't care about all this complicated heart and nobody and blah, blah, all, all this and that with the Keyblade. Like this Keyblade is, a, is just a tool to like help people out. Rocks for Roxas, he just wants to hang with his friends and have fun and, Chill, like have have some good days doing doing the missions, not not have things be complicated. But Axel has to leave. Shion is going through this crisis because she's you know like she's yeah what she's a she, she's a puppet. She's coming self aware. And Roxas is kind of like the man in between. Like man, why? <laughs> what is going on? Like what what is all of this? And that that's how he just becomes angry. The, the end of the game to me is it's him getting fed up. He's like I'm tired of all of this. Why screw screw all of this? Yeah. Honestly, it's you know, I haven't played it since I was a kid. Um shout out to my uh friend PB and Jilly who, you know, I uh I lost it somewhere along the way, but she sent me her old copy and I have it now. I've been meaning to play it again because I tried it on an emulator and I couldn't quite do it. I don't know. It's I got hard because it's a DS game, you know? Yeah. I could I could help you with that potentially, but I I, I um I got I got mine working on there. It was it, it ran pretty fine. Okay. I I beg you to replay Days because I Days you my least favorite cage. You know I didn't finish it when I was a kid. I finished like I stopped the game right before the Syax fight. Uh, that's where I saw. I was like right mm. at the end. But I when I finally beat the game and replayed it, I I have a lot of love for like I don't know where to rank it because there's a lot of things that are clearly just not not your traditional kingdom hearts it's a game very unorthodox kingdom hearts game which is yeah so it's to be it's hard to rank it's very hard to rank but yeah. it's like i there's so many things about it that i i would put up there with like even number tiles like a hot take for me i might say i i would say i think days might have some of the best disney worlds in the series i genuinely think so really? just just the dot just the dialogue interactions they have it's because Rockus and Shion actually question things in the Disney world. They want to, that, that like detachment from trying to be friendly all the time is a very interesting perspective to see. Cause it's like, I, I often reference this dialogue scene they had with a uh, genie and, um, and, and Agrabah, like where they, where they directly learn something from a Disney character and then talk about it later. There's this scene in Agrabah. This is not in the movie at all. Genie, after uh, they do some mission in days, he 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 finds Roxas and Shion, and he's like, okay, so who who the heck are you guys? 
they deter the conversation. They start talking about, I don't know, they, they, they get Junie to start talking about Aladdin and Al and stuff. Cause there's a sandstorm and Junie wants to help out the sandstorm, helps out, help out the city. But Al doesn't want him to, cause he wants to do it by himself type of thing. He can handle his own problems. This is after the events of KH1. Anyways, Junie starts talking about how him and Al are inseparable and how such good friends they are. And they're, they, they mean a lot to each other. Yada, yada. And this is like towards like a mid point in the game. Roxas and Shion are like, they, they go through some stuff sometimes. Like, there's been some certain events have happened in the game, but they consider themselves like you, you could say they're friends, but they don't, they don't really know what that means. They don't value that, that statement quite yet. They don't know how to value it. So, that word inseparable stands out to Roxas a lot. Mm-hmm. And what happens after that cutscene, after Genie goes on his big little tangent, is uh, they, they kind of just disappear. They listen, then they disappear. Junie turns on. He's like, so who are you guys? And they're just gone. <laughs> they're, they're just gone. And right after this cutscene, Axel, Roxas, and Xion on the clock tower, they have a whole discussion about the interaction with Axel. And they ask Axel, he's kind of like the big brother. Like, so we met some interesting characters today, today huh? And like, Rock and like Rocks and Shion are having a discussion about friends and how they don't really they don't really understand like if Genie wanted to help out why doesn't he just do it and Shion or Rocks is, is like maybe it's because he just maybe that's like a respect thing or something like that and like they're questioning what that even means and then Ax Roxas looks at Axel I believe and he's like what does so like he they said Roxas said like Genie and Al or Genie said him and Al are inseparable what does that mean it's not like they're joined at the hip. And Axel is this big brother explaining to them, like, this means they're really good friends. And I don't know. I went on a long tangent. That was just an interaction I loved because it's, like, small things like that. A Disney character says something. They have a conversation about it outside of the Disney world that directly influences, like, in my head at least, like, how how they slowly build into, you know, becoming these people that really care about friendship and value their relationship with each other. Because they look at these other Disney characters who are friends, who are close to each other, who do value certain things, whether it's a rose from Beast or whether it's a friendship with Aladdin. And they talk about it on the clock tower. It's like, it's weirdly, it's like these therapy group sessions I love. And so much of that is cut out of the, is cut out of the movie. Really? So much of it. Yeah, I really recommend replaying Days of Good. I may I'm sorry because I so absolutely, much. I absolutely adore that trio. I think it's the only trio that ever got time to actually be friends. You know, I exactly. believe they're wrong. I believe Sora, Riku, and Kyrie are friends. They've given us enough of that for us to put that together. You know, I believe Ventura and Aqua are friends, even though they've spent barely any screen time together. But they've done enough to make those believable. What's great about the Days trio is like believable doesn't even begin to describe it. Like, yeah, they're they're more than just like best friends. You know what I mean? Man, they they. God, like, especially like Roxas and Shion, I feel like the bond the two of them have is especially unique because it's like they're not just friends. They're almost like like. Like cognitive workout buddies or something like they're, <laughs> they're helping each other become more sentient. By 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 yeah. back and forth, like it's such. There's no friendship in Kingdom Hearts quite like Roxas and Shield, or quite like Axel towards Roxas and Shield. Like I love what um you know just to connect it with Birth by Sleep, um I love what Zyke says to him like you know well Ice at the time 
what is with you and picking up lost puppies? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, could you think of a better way to describe uh, Shion and Roxas? But it's it's stuff like that. And, you know, that's something that I actually think Dream Drop Distance, just to bring us back, I guess, really did for Sora <laughs> yeah. and Riku. Um, you know, we didn't really get to see them spend time together, but we did get to see them sort of have a little bit of back and forth, especially the scenes with Joshua and Traverse Town, things of that sort. And it was also cool to see how, you know, you have a character like Joshua who sort of, he's not the authority on the situation, but he's, um, he's not the authority on the situation, but he's, he's a little more clued in than everybody. It's kind of funny to see how differently he treats Sora and Riku. Yeah. Riku's almost kind of like his his detective buddy to try and help him get to the bottom of things. Whereas Sora's like, I, I just need to push him in the right direction because explaining anything to him is just gonna it's just gonna complicate things. Um <laughs> it, it's it's cool like that too, because then you can learn about characters not just from their own interactions, but from how these other characters approach them, you know? Yeah. You know, what Dream Dog, also, I'm sorry if we keep, if we keep getting off the Dream Dog topic. That's fine, we, dude, I, it's I just, okay. We, it's just the title topic. It's just the title topic. It's okay. Two, two Kingdom Hearts fans is talking about this. <laughs> There's so much. Uh, but what, one thing I wanted to say earlier is uh, a big aspect I love about Dream Drop is Riku. That yeah, I will say that is the best Riku game, um, Easily. in terms of story. Easily, and in terms of character development, I. The reason I, I'm not as harsh on Riku in KH3 as other people are, or like Riku didn't do anything, and it's because I always felt like his story ended with Dream Drop, because it, it, it really did. Ways, like his arc did end with Dream Drop. It 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 lit it like quite literally did especially with that ansem cutscene at the end it, it yes. quite literally ended like what when re when like ansem when riku told ansem his name like that that yeah. was that's that it. was that art that, that was him that 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 was a full circle moment all the way from yes chain of memories when like ansem's like when diz is like what what road will you walk to there like that that's what that moment dawn, was. and he made it to dawn like, exactly you know, I, I'm saying it. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this series is something else. But it's well, like, that too, if you want to just talk about the full it's circle. It's perfect. Remember the first time, if I'm not mistaken, Anson the Wise asks Riku's name. What does Riku say? He takes off the hood and goes, Anthem. And then it ends with him literally telling the actual Anthem, oh, no, my name is Riku. Even though Anthem already knew that which i always found a little strange but this is all this is also like yeah. in a sense data ants in the wise it's not the actual ants in the wise it's a digitized version of him a very well-spoken digitized version of him might i add um but dude that's exactly what i love so much about dream drop is it is riku's story if you ever wanted riku to have his own mainline game i think dream drop distance might be as close as we're ever gonna get um and you know one thing i particularly liked so much about why it ended up being Riku's game and why Riku ended up being the one to pass the exam. And this also beautifully set the stage for Kingdom Hearts 3 is in the very first scene. And that's one thing I also love about Dream Drop and Kingdom Hearts 3 is the prologue gives away the epilogue. And I'll go into that further in a minute. But in the beginning, when Yen Sid's kind of laying out the Mark of Mastery exam, 
Sora's like, oh, no problem. We've taken on everything. We beat Xemnas. We'll take care of this like a cakewalk. Sora's cocky. Sora's feeling himself. Sora feels like he can't fail. Whereas Riku's like, I don't know, man. I know there's darkness in my heart. I know it could be manipulated. I think there's a good chance that I fail. And it's funny to see how it turned out. You know, Sora's the one who ended up captured by Xehanort. And Riku's the one who ended up passing the Mark of Mastery exam. They gave it away right there. Right there in the first scene, really, with Yen Sid and the two of them, they tell you the ending. Sora is cocky and going to fail. Riku is humble and going to pass. And I guess just to complete my That's thought. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly, right? And, like, just to complete my thought, I suppose, the way that worked in Kingdom Hearts 3 is Lushu shows up in Olympus, Zigbar at the time, and literally gives the whole game away. Hey, does having a heart of light come with a good insurance policy? Oh, I don't admire a guy leaping into danger if somebody has to leap in after him. It's like, the, I wonder if that, I'm going to be on the lookout for that in Kingdom Hearts 4. If the, the prologue is, in a sense, going to give away where we're going to be headed in the end. Because they've done that twice in a row now. I, I think Lushu is going to be a, a big part in the next arc. I wonder I what so. exactly he's going to do because i i feel like he's not gonna is i feel like i feel like lushu more even more than the foretellers i i think okay i think a slight prediction i have is i feel like the foretellers and lushu they're gonna all have this conflict where they are like gonna be ride or die behind the master they have so much faith in the master they're gonna even if he's doing some sneaky stuff they're gonna believe in him one by one I think similar to like on some organization stuff because Kingdom Hearts very much so as big as as much as the story is very has mo so much depth and stuff. They do have a formula and how they decide to do things. So like yeah. I think we're going to definitely have the Disney World motion, but instead of organization members, it might be foretellers like Ava is going to be or maybe not Ava because we don't know what's going on with her, but maybe like Envy or Ased visit Sora in a Disney World and they just talk him up talk talk to him meet him blah 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 test his test his strength whatever the heck may happen right and slowly but surely they're going to be thinking to themselves after all these interactions these kiloliters why are we fighting these guys they don't seem bad at all what 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 is this and they're going to be trying to convince themselves no it's for the greater purpose for the greater world blah blah but slowly i don't know if this is going to happen in the next game or the games after but slowly they're going to slowly be like question the master more and like slowly not be into him and by by i think luge is going to be the last one to like switch i think that's what's going to happen maybe uh, yo i raise you i raise you i think lushu might be one of the first ones to switch you think he, so because he's the i can see it he's the traitor i, I can see it i think he, i think it's even possible lushu ends up the main villain at some point like i i think it could i think it could get that crazy honestly um for a game i could see it for one game i could i mean yeah i could it definitely i'm not sure if you could span that too far across games because you know that that that's a bit much um but i think envy might be the last one i think she might be the last one to ditch the master because she's got an admiration of him like if you listen to the way she talks to you in cross it's oh that's what the master asked of me I'm just, that's against what the master said. Everything is master, 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 master. Everything she says, just based on the master, based on the master. And people are too hard on a set. Let me tell you something. People are way too hard on that guy. But that is so cool, bro. Dude, I him. <laughs> he just questioned, questioned the master right away. Like, wait, what's going on here? We have to defy his teachings if we're going to save the world. He's setting us up for failure. It's like, I don't know, man. The set's making a lot of good points.
I, I think it'd keep back cover. A lot of the four towers are kind of droney. I'm not gonna lie. Like, mm. like a lot of them are like, mm. they're they're very like Indy, mundane like, and like very droney. And because again, like it's just all yeah. That the master asked of me. That's my role. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, a lot of them are like that to a degree. Like even Gula to an extent. Yes. Right. Like he like he he has his own thing going on for sure. But like. He he doesn't he doesn't do much out of it, or at least not not anything. Yeah, I remember when I first watched Key Back Cover and he said that summoning Kingdom Hearts scene. That was like a white yeah. moment, like, huh? And then nothing happened from that. So I, I I'm curious to see what what goes on. Or maybe it already happened. Is it in see? We didn't we didn't see it. It's probably one of those things where we'll be like, oh, remember when he said this? Yeah, that that's why this happened. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But see, uh, he might be the first one because I'm not sure Ava's gonna go along with this. Like, Ava's already kind of implied that she's not... Like, when Lushu laid it out to her, she was not about it. Um, you know, Gula seems closer to Ava than a lot of the other foretellers. I wonder if he would be the first one, because he seems to be the most tentative in that epilogue scene, right? Like, he's already... He's asking questions about Ava right away. Yep. Is that they why might be closer to age. exclude her? Like, you know, he's, he's, he's um, like, pressing Lushu right away. Like, is that why you excluded her? So, I, I think Gula... Anything, they're they're probably the two youngest foretellers. I'd, yeah. I'd, I would definitely argue. We know Ava is the youngest. I'm, I forget where exactly was. I'm pretty sure they said she is the youngest foreteller. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think Ghoul is probably the second. I, they, they, they definitely have like a sibling-like bond almost to me. I, yeah. I get vibes of that a little bit. I'm not saying they are, but I, I could like, I could sort of kind of see it. They seem to have but each I, other's back. Like Ava was willing to put it all on the line for him. Yeah. I, I think... I don't know when. I think Ava, similar to Lushu, not maybe not not exactly, but I think uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Ava. But I feel like Ava's going to be lurking in the background somewhere. Like if we're going to meet a character that we do not know is Ava, but it's Ava or something. I feel like that's going to happen. Well, she can shape shift, find... right? Hasn't she shape shifted in the past? I think in Union Cross they save. I'm not. I'm a little confused on that. She... That whole thing. Oh, gosh. Like they 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 set it in a scene. I know what you're talking about. It's like. And that was that was one of the things holding up the darkness theory for a bit. The yeah. shapeshifter Ava theories. The darkness theories are crazy for you and Crosby. They lasted so long, too. They lasted like a year or two. Darkness is like the the, the making darkness a tangible like villain entity, I think is like the most Kingdom Hearts. That's thing the you villain. Can do. And it's it's such a good idea. It's such yeah. a good idea. Oh if they wanted God. to make this the final saga for Kingdom Hearts. That probably will be that, that. It feels like a sub for that. The vil, the big villain, the biggest bad guy of them all is literal darkness. Literal darkness itself. Darkness cool. severed among thirteen beings. If you just want to put a little extra Kingdom Hearts on it, like oh, yeah. it's so crazy, and it's gonna be crazy to see what the masters are up to. Um, everyone's got their theories about it, but it's just oh. I don't know. It sucks with three because, like, a lot of people want a lot of people wanted three to be the big end all be all. Like, it, it I feel like with three, be. it never was gonna be though. I feel like with KH three, everyone knew it wasn't the last game, but people. I want. I don't say people wanted it to be, but we we treated like it was, even though it wasn't. If that makes sense, it's like a. It was like, yeah, I know it's not the last game, but in your heart, they're like. That this feels like it should be type of thing, even though it isn't. It's like I Namura's been building up the key story <laughs> for so many yeah. years. This year will make it ten actually. I think I made a I made a video talk about the 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 KS4 story is nine years in the making. 
And it kind of literally is. And you can extend it even more Honestly, if you like. I'd say longer, and I'll tell you why. If, if, if you add versus 13, you could could yes. argue. Yes. Yep. I think but, the day I think the day that project got canceled was the day Kingdom Hearts 4 in theory was born. Because I think Nomura kind of works two games ahead. I feel like that yeah, that's I've a heard that. from what I've read. I feel like that's kind of how he works. So as he when he's developing, I think he literally said that too. When he's developing a title, he's thinking about how he, he develops stories as in how how will this story lead into the next story rather yeah. than like other way around. Which is Which, interesting. It is interesting because right away you see how Dream Drop and Kingdom Hearts 3 were written together. You could see it. You could mm -hmm. see how they were just penned in the same document. Um, it'll be interesting because like Kingdom Hearts 4 is almost kind of like the reset of that loop. I don't know if I'm willing to throw in Melody and Memory. That just seems to me like just an epilogue of KH of just Remind. It just seems like a Melody Remind epilogue. Melody and Memory is the weirdest Kingdom Hearts game because it's the only Kingdom Hearts game where I genuinely feel like it's weird to go back to like at all. This like is very straightforward. I watch those even like the, all the time, man. The, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I watch them all, but they're they're very straightforward. Like I don't know. Which is funny. It's like a little. I guess because again, I think it's it's not meant to be a full story. Like nobody has an arc in Melody of Memory. It really it's just an epilogue. Like that's what it seems like to me. It's not. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun game. I I thoroughly enjoyed Melody of Memory, but it's there's no one has an arc in it like Kyrie's arc gets fleshed out more but there's no beginning middle end there you know it's revealing that she has some trauma and memories that are being blocked out of her time in radiant garden and again who knows where that lifeboat took her i mean it's implied destiny yeah. ends, but was that her first stop who freaking knows man uh, no i watched that scene a lot for sure i think uh i i feel like well, Melody and Memory, they said this. That that game was being developed before, like, a decent bit before Chaos was even being done. I imagine yeah. it was not being worked on by the biggest of teams. I, I, we know who it was worked on by. I forget their name, though. But uh, that, you could tell they were definitely just, like, trickling Melody and Memory in, like, development on that game in while making Chaos 3. I wouldn't be surprised if that game was meant to release, like, before 3 came out. But it, they just ended up, like, okay, let's... It was probably just going to be a straight up rhythm game or something, but then they packaged it into like, okay, let's. This is after three. Let's put something in because Nomura, yeah. even though some people like, like, like contrary to like how quiet Square can be about Kingdom Hearts, it's so interesting because Square is always advertising Final Fantasy or their other series. Kingdom, they are so quiet when it comes to Kingdom Hearts stuff, and then in like one big like burst it would drop like so much at so once that's how cage yeah. has always been but uh they i i, I would not the mirror the is very aware of how his fans are very aware i think he's proven this especially over the past couple of years with union cross his story with three with uh four with even the interview he made with cage for like I, I I think he knew that if he that they released Melody at Memory without stories some people would have been mad at or that or like maybe it wouldn't have sold as well, which I still don't even know if it sold well, but like I, I'm sure they threw that little bit in there to just to give mm -hmm. people something to latch on to. That's probably why it was all shoved at the end. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Cause I think you know, Remind gave us a lot. Like I feel like Remind as, as someone who I'm with you, 
Kingdom Hearts 3 is my favorite of the series. Um, but Remind addressed a lot of the things that the initial release, quote-unquote, got wrong or may have missed. Um, yeah. I imagine somewhere through Remind, Nomura or Nojima, whoever was writing it, came up with that scenario for Kyrie and was like, eh, a little much to fit it in here. And I think, like you're saying, they tacked it on to the end of Melody and Memory. Because I remember Chirithi was supposed to be the original narrator. Um, but I think when they had this idea to patch in this scenario for Kyrie, um, they might have changed course at the end there. Yeah. Which I love Melody and Memory. I love that fight scene. That Xehanort Kyrie fight scene is so good. It is. So God, I think good. it's so good. That that game did a lot for Kyrie to me. So much not for Kyrie. I think because I, I, I like the okay. Some people still criticize Kyrie for for this, and I get it completely because she my 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 theory about Kyrie. I don't really think she's bad because of like, or if you think her character, I don't think her character would be bad because of what's ha what's happened with her. I honestly think almost every scene Kyrie has been in has honestly been a really has been a good cutscene. She has nothing to me but like really good interactions with characters, good moments that. in the story for the most yeah. part. I think her screen time is a big issue because I like sat down after three. That's when the big Kyrie debate started. I sat down after three and I like I added up a lot of her hours in in the story, and she is. She has like no screen time outside of number titles, like none. Even and even in we only have three number titles. Like it, like yeah. I say it's no. I I couldn't agree with you more. That's actually a viable concern. Is that in the beginning of the Dark Seeker saga, she got little to no screen time. Now in Kingdom Hearts One, you understand why. You know, in Kingdom Hearts Two, she gets to be part of the end game, and she's there a little bit during the prologue. She gets the prologue end game treatment in Two. Um, but this is actually where I, I'm not sure this criticism holds up anymore in the world we live today, just because three, when it comes to number titles, I felt like three gave her the most screen time, three got her the most involved, three, um, fleshed her character out more, you know what I mean? I completely agree. Like, I think it's a situation where it was just late. Just, I just want to add up, and then you have Remind him out yeah. of Memory, like, who other than Sora and Xehanort has gotten more attention than Kyrie since Kingdom Hearts 3 came out? She's gotten more attention nope. than Riku. She's gotten a, a no, really. of more attention than Riku since Kingdom Hearts 3. That outside of key characters, no one yeah. just I, I feel like uh like Kyrie I agree with you. It, even before Remind, I, I I often said I actually like Kyrie's character in three now Me i too. do understand though i do understand i feel like it's a situation where it's too it's like it's too late and i completely understand like i i do not get mad at people when they say that it's just my first like i enjoyed all of the scenes with Kyrie in three i i feel like those scenes with axel like those two people scenes she got with axel that. people don't understand added so that. much to her character like little her things kidnapper. yeah little things like her acknowledging nominee and like nominating her heart and yeah. stuff it, i feel like that does a lot for her character because it three actually involved her in the kingdom hearts plot if that makes sense she was kind of just like a tool yeah. for sora to save beforehand and i don't mean it like she didn't have a personality or character beforehand she was involved in, in that way before but like what i mean is her the goal of Kyrie's character from one to two she's always wanted to be involved even in that, since the end of kh1 like that's 
cutscene in the sewer, like where she's yeah. she's like talking to her. She wants to help him out, but she doesn't have a keyblade. She so she she wants to help him and protect him and stuff, but she she trusts his Sora to do to do his thing. But she has always had this burning desire to not be left behind behind. Mm-hmm. And she's tired of it. And two, she she her counter to that and two, the second she like even gets a fraction of like trying to remember about him or trying to like when she gets mm-hmm. a little hint as to who Sora was or who he is, because remember she lost her memories at the beginning right. of two of Sora. Once the first thing, first instinct she has to run after him, try to chase after him. Even when she doesn't have a keyblade, she she runs to mm-hmm. to find him. And I'm I'm not gonna say I'm a big fan of KH2 Kyrie personally. For me, I know it's a lot of people's favorites, Kyrie. I'm not I'm not crazy about KH2 Kyrie. I think two is her weakest entry in the series. I I, I agree. I, I I'd say that mostly because like she doesn't actually do that much to the plot. Like she her she's like a she's like a small subplot where it's like it's very cute though. It's very cute it and like is. emotional. It's like you know, it's like it's Sora and Kyrie. The most important trio. thing she does is be like, "Hey, Sora, look, this is Riku." Yeah, that and like being there for the ending, which I do think is pretty important. But it's like. What Sora doesn't even know she's not safe until like Saiyans tells her. Like from Sora's perspective, she should be fine. Why, why is she trying to run after me? What was what she doing? Mm-hmm. And then she like she gets captured on her own fruition. Well, well, this is why a lot of people wonder, like, well, why why did Kingdom Hearts Three Kari kind of lose her spunkiness? And it's because it's for that very reason. Because that sort of spunkiness, go get her attitude, got her in so much trouble in Kingdom Hearts Two. Like yeah, she's so maturing. Like, that's yeah, you know. That's why Riku's not edgy anymore. He's not super edgy, dark boy with the blindfold on anymore. That's why Riku was like less, you know. I guess what they would say, cool in three. Like he's mm-hmm. just this maturing. He's growing up. He's like, I guess he Riku's kind of back to what he sort of was at the beginning of Cage One, except without like being except without like the i guess the edgy attitude he's back to kind of trying to be the big brother for sora i guess that that, that's what he's back to before in between that entire time he was helping sora in the background but sora was the one that helped him like the most at the end of it all oh yeah because like when he when like when uh sora went and like i don't know on, on his knees for for riku bet like this when he feels his heart and stuff which is Still a great scene. That scene has been memed to death, but that that scene, I, scene. I actually use that. I use that scene as an example of Kyrie and Cage too. Whenever I, I talk about Kyrie and Cage too, I'm like, you know that scene with like Sora when Sora first sees Riku for the first time, he just pushes Kyrie to the side for Riku. That that's Kyrie and Cage too. He's pushed to the side. For real for though, it was for real though. It's it it was uh, it was art imitating life, I suppose you could say. Yeah, because no, it, it but, really felt it really it really did feel that way. Um, I do well, think three should have did more though. Like initially, like those little scenes with her fighting Zemnis, that literally fixed that scene completely. Yeah, because it shows her it shows her more involved. Like I feel like they took for they took for granted that we were just gonna take the implication that she could hold her own when it was like, well, we want to see more of it. You know, I want to see I want to see she own. Go 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 in for the hit, and then Kyrie be the one to get in the way and be like, no 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 no, you know. Um, I wish we could have seen some scenes of Kyrie and Axel training. 
Um, but honestly, I can I can get past that if you give me the Kyrie and Aqua training scenes. That is the yeah. hill I will die on. If you do not, if you if you tell me and don't show me, I'm going to be very upset because I think that's so perfect for Kyrie's arc right now because she could be the one wielder among the Destiny trio that actually got formal training. And that is, I think, I, don't get me wrong, I don't, my end-all be-alls aren't power scaling. I don't yeah. think power scaling is the most important thing. But doing it well does help a story to be immersive. And if you want to catch Kyrie up to Sora and Riku's level in any way, you need to give her some kind of advantage over the other <clears throat> two. And the idea already has one. Gonna... Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just saying she already has one because, like, she's a princess of heart. <laughs> Yes, but she I don't is. know how that qualifies her to wield a keyblade. Like, is there any other princess of heart that's like wielded the keyblade well before? Or no, not that we know of. That's, that's, what, that's what puts her in a unique situation in my head. I wonder. If, I want them to expand upon that because, like, what's well, how she, she saved everyone in three? Right, was like her her ability to hold on a sword that way. I imagine that's got to be connected to her princess of light powers. She, I, I we don't know exactly what being a princess of heart gives you power over. What we do know, like general, like just generally, is like being a princess of heart. It seems like it gives you some sort of control over your heart that others don't have, and you're you're, you're just a big beacon. You're just a big beacon of light. Like it, it seems like I don't know how Kyrie taps into it, but we've seen it in like these little moments where she has been like. She's able it's to only like about Sora though. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Sora seems to be what ignites it. That's why I wonder if the princes of heart powers are all sort of like empathetic or external, right? If it if it's yeah. always about somebody else's heart, you know, because you think about like we don't have a very concrete explanation of what the powers are, right? But we see in yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1, Sora's a heartless. Kyrie has an ability to bring him back. You know, and it might just be tied to that, right? The ability to bring someone back from somewhere. You know, maybe it's a it's it's a power of waking type ability that isn't a nature taboo. Um, like when the guardians fail, she's able to hold on to Sora and bring him back, much in the way the sort of heartless restoration worked. Um I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the way they were able to transfer Nominee's heart in the uh, credits of Remind. I don't know, but uh, that is something I'd like to see. I'd like to see them flesh out exactly what a Princess of Heart power is, and I'd like to see if she could tie them to the Keyblade in any way, right? If she could do these things through the Keyblade now. <clears throat> Notice how they said, like, I think early in the series, they called them Princesses of Heart. Now they just call them the Seven Hearts. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess they, that implies to me they're trying... So if we see the other hearts in the future, I think it's, I think they mostly do that now. Like if I had to imagine the external reason for that, it's probably because a lot of newer Disney movies aren't necessarily doing the princess thing yes. anymore. So if they do more Disney movies, because I imagine if we see more, like we have three princesses of heart that we don't know about. I think we'll be covered, and I'm, I imagine who do you think? one of those ha one of those has to be Moana. Like, Moana has to be one. Moana? I don't know who the other two might be, Vanellope. but one of them has to be Moana. Vanellope Von Schweetz from Wreck-It Ralph is another one I'm calling I want, I want her to be one. I really do. But I'm like, Union Cross's inclusion is so weird, which we, we could talk about that in a minute. I wanted to ask you about, about the Union Cross stuff. But uh, with, in terms of her being a princess of her, one of the seven hearts, uh, it's, it's kind of similar to like, 
just being like a pure heart, right? So like you're he's he's a pure heart. And like mm-hmm. I don't know if we've aside from maybe Ventus, right? I don't know if we've ever which Ventus is a, is very weird to me. I don't, I don't know if he is one organically or not. It's very weird to me. It's a very slippery slope because I'm wondering like if he is one organically, why? That's my question. But regardless though, uh there has to be being a keyboarder is all about like the power of heart, whether it's the power of darkness, of light, how you balance the two. It's the Kila is a representation of that wielder's heart. Her being a pure heart, one of these seven hearts, and a keyboarder has to be like special. She has she has to have some sort of prowess that mm-hmm. others won't. Maybe she could be some sort of Keyblade prodigy. I think that's a very easy excuse for her to catch up to Sora and Riku. I want her to be one of the people to go to quadrong that's that's the goal of her training pretty much like i would imagine like she wants to train with aqua so she can get to Sora and riku as fast as possible the way i think of it story-wise i think the next arc we this arc was kind of about the destiny trio but you could say it was about the destiny trio reuniting somewhat they they haven't been together since the beginning of cage one pretty much like Mm -hmm. aside from a little small scene ending of cage two didn't last that long but like this they them being fine they have not been together while also being fine (laughs) if if that makes sense it's always been temporary so even at the end of three the moment they finally get to be together a happy ending they beat the big bad guy sora's gone freaking and like just i don't know they I think the story for Kingdom Hearts ends with all of them together, like it like it began. And I feel like they, those three, need to be the 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 ending of the Xehanort fight with Sordon and Goofy. I think that was perfect. Yes. But I think whatever the next arc ends up culminating into, it has to be Sora, Riku, and Kyrie. It, it just has to be. Can I tell you how I think it ends between those three? How? I think Sora and Kyrie will will essentially transcend and sort of become the guardians of Kingdom Hearts, hence the king and queen trope between the two of them, right? There's this king and queen trope between the two of them now. I think the series ends, and I don't know how familiar you are with FF7, but I think it ends just like Advent Children, where you see Zack and Aerith going into the live stream. They're now the guardians of the planet, and they're reunited in there together again. And they can finally have those moments together. I think the same thing happens with Sora and Kyrie. only they become one sort of with Kingdom Hearts and become its guardians, where Riku lives to tell their story. And maybe their story becomes a fairy tale in the hearts of children, right? But that, that's, that would be my prediction for how the, King, the Kingdom Hearts story would end, is I actually think, I, I wonder if there's just this unspoken rule in Kingdom Hearts that you just can't have it all. You know, and maybe that's just a lesson of life that it's trying to teach us is you just you just can't have it all. No matter what, Kingdom Hearts 1 ends, they're all separated. Chain of Memories ends, Sora's asleep, and there's all the mess of nobodies. Kingdom Hearts 2 ends, Nomine and Roxas don't get to be their own people, and Xehanort's still out there. We haven't really solved anything. It's a band-aid. You know, Dream Drop Distance ends, Sora was nearly possessed by Xehanort, Riku may have passed his mark of mastery, but now Big Bad Xehanort's back. This ain't looking too good. Birth by Sleep, the way it ends. It's a goddamn tragedy. I don't need to get into it. Kingdom Hearts 3, the way it ends. Every, literally the happiest ending probably in the whole series. Literally everyone is happy. Everyone is on Destiny Island. Everything is good. There's no Xehanort. Sora's dead. It's like, I just wonder if there's just this unwritten rule of you can't have it all and sacrifices <clears throat> need to be made if you want peacetime. 
that, that's the thing with three's ending. I think three a lot of people complain about the Xehanort fight, and I I get it. I understand. I love the fight, but the ending itself, I everyone wanted the cage to end. They wanted to feel like they felt the end of cage two. I get no, that. You, I you you want I did it. You I want to recapture that. You want to recapture that. Honestly, I mean, I I I kind of wanted that just with everyone, and not you know just the Destiny true. I think two. The only people in two, the way I view it, like it's a happy ending. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's only a happy ending for the Destiny trio. Everyone else is kind oh, of like, yeah, they they have to compromise. Like I know people make the argument, no, Roxas and Vomit were happy. No, they no, they, they were, were content. Pain. They were content. That's what happened. Well, we also learn like- in Coded, and this is the problem. People write off Coded, but we learn in Coded the hurt. You know, it's it's a bit of a cringy line when Sora says it, but it, it is a reference. To the I hurt that, that Roxas is feeling, like it, it, it's like again, like you're saying, it's a happy ending for Sora, Riku, Kairi, Donald, Goofy, Mickey, but it is really not a happy ending for a lot of the other players involved. And I and some I, the somebodies of the organization, I'll, or what happened? What happened with them? Like there are good people in the organization. We no follow you, even in Cage Two, even in Cage Two, like. You know, just talk about things, at least just talk about things that happened in two and before, because I know people will probably make the argument of, well, this wasn't ruining the story yet, blah, blah, blah. But like, just things in two, even just things in two. Ansem didn't have no happy ending. Nope. He, 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 de- he definitely did not, like, <laughs> uh, have most of the org members. Yeah, they, yeah, a lot of them were villains, but like, there were some good people in there, you know, like Dem- Demix. Yeah, you had Syax talking about like Kingdom Hearts. Where is my heart? Like it was obvious that like all of them just wanted you just wanted hearts, but they were people beforehand. That was directly implied. Like they were people beforehand who who are their people. Are they good? Are they fine? Are they are they chilling? We found out in Dream Drop they weren't, but <laughs> like, well, what happened with them? What, what I'm saying is it's just there's a lot of loose there, there's a lot of loose ends in cage too. There was a lot of loose ends in cage mm-hmm. too. It it could have ended there. I, it definitely could have. There's a lot of stories that end with loose ends cuz like honestly speaking, I think no matter if, if Kingdom Hearts has a final game, still they will not answer sense. everything. They're, they're still going to be cuz that, that's just, yeah. that's just the the thing with storytelling. The biggest of franchises have loose ends in their story, not because that doesn't mean it's bad writing necessarily. It's just that's no, some, not not, not everything is not everything gets answered because that's kind of, to be honest, that's kind of how real life is to a degree. If you want to get really deep about it, not not everything gets answered. You don't, you don't, you don't got all the answers. Not to everything, everything gets answered and you can't have it all. You can't have it all. And which goes back to what you said with three. Three was set up to have to top two's ending, I think, in terms of just the feeling, that feeling there of them like coming back on the island. <laughs> Literally, God. everyone got everything they wanted the yeah. days tree on the clock tower that was the, that was that whole scene was was all i wanted after days i just wanted to see all of them on the clock tower i was fine with just roxas axel and Shion. i would have been fine with that and their new clothes but that was so cool but they they gave us more they gave us everyone the twilight gang roxas got such a happy ending there the wayfinder trio yeah they had to put ericus away and stuff but Still, they were back together. They were back being friends. And he saw him laughing. Ventus even got his, his Kirithi back. And even even like Riku would nominate. He he's fulfilling what like Riku Replica wanted him to do a nominate. Yeah. Which a lot of people underrate that story, but Riku Replica and Nominate, I think that is a that is a great story in Chain of Memories. That is a really good story in Chain Well, of it's an example of growing a heart. It's a sign that Riku Replica grew some kind of heart. 
because he had a genuine yeah. care for Naminé. Was he programmed to feel that way? Sure. Doesn't invalidate the fact that what he felt felt genuine. You know, uh, no, I'm with you. A lot of people kind of underrate that arc. I think there's something really cool there. But, oh, man. You kind of sent me into a whirlwind there. Like, there were like five Go points ahead. where you are going on that rant. I was like, oh, I want to mention something about that. I want to mention something about that. And now I'm now I'm blanking on all of them. Um, but no, I mean, but going back to like the, the way it wrapped up, that's why I actually really, not that I enjoyed watching Sora die, obviously, but I think it was the perfect ending. And also like, come on, they spent the whole game beating you over the head with the fact he was going to die. Beating you over the head with it. With, with Sigmar and Lushu, with literally her, the first world Hercules in the stairway to heaven. And, and it's just... And then you had the um, he had the pirates world foreshadowing it with Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan having to live in different realities, being separated from one another but promising to reunite. You know, you had young Xehanort mocking him the whole way, like, "Dude, you're literally walking to your death if you keep doing this." Mickey, freaking Mickey Mouse, is even like, "Sorry, you can't do this." It's like, it's they told you over. I just, I don't know how anyone. I mean, I don't want to say that. I don't want to be so absolutist, but I don't know how anyone wasn't at least frightened that he was going to die. I can't imagine being blindsided. I guess that's how I'm trying to put it. I can't imagine <clears throat> being so blindsided by Sora's death when they kind of beat us over the head with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, there was the part of me that denied it and was like, no, 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 no. They're going to have that happy ending. But honestly, the story of King of March is the story of death and rebirth. And if we want Sora's character to get better he needs to die just, just <laughs> like just like all these other characters that we love like aqua and riku they in a sense had their <laughs> own version of deaths well thor's turn can't just be seen. that's such a sad way to put it but you're right <laughs> <laughs> well i wish i could put it happier but i guess i just can't i i i think um with sora it's I, that's one of the biggest interest in the next arc to me too there, there's so many things interesting about the next arc because this is really a side. Grimdog kind of had this right, but yeah, and eh, there's there's it's iffy. But Sora, this is the first time Sora's truly kind of been on his own. Like no yeah. no one he knows is with him. Like yeah. there there have been very few points in the series where Sora hasn't had someone either watching over him with him in spirit or something. Sora is actually by himself. No one knows where he is. And it's on him to get out. Now, he has Shalitzia. I'm sure Shalitzia is going to be some, like, guiding spirit thing. I, I feel like what's going to happen is Sora's going to find a way to get out of Quadron, but he's not going to want to leave without Shalitzia or something. Mm -hmm. Or he's going to come back for Shalitzia. And then Mar Sora's going to come back with Shalitzia, and Marluxia is going to be, like, there's going to be, like, a sad scene of them reuniting. And that's going to mm -hmm. be, like... I was going to make Union Cross fans super happy. <laughs> Can I tell you something so peculiar about the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer since we're kind of on it? Yeah, go for it. They never mentioned Sora's name. Deliberately. Nope. No, they I don't. wonder You're if right. they're going to refer to him as Yuzora. Like if Serlizia is going to refer to him as Yuzora. If all the people are going to refer to him that way. Serlizia's been there for a minute. She's been there. For but sure. But... You know, something I can't get out of my head is, you know, Toy Box, Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, Rex has played all of their Rex. He knows what Yuzora looks like. So why, when he looked at Sora, 
Did he say, oh, that's Yuzora? Maybe we're the only ones seeing Yuzora look that way. Remember, he doesn't really look like that. He made it, he made it clear and reminded, this isn't what I really look like. But if that's not what he really looks like, then why did Rex, who's played all of Aram Rex, look at Sora and go, oh, look, there's Yuzora. And I, I don't know, if, I'm sure you know, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge on this stuff. You've seen those like deleted screenshots where he's like, yeah, and there's uh, Agius and, Mag- and Magia. I've seen, I've seen the whole cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the, good, yeah, there no, you go. But like, the whole, the whole cutscene is from the premiere event. That's yep. not by accident. And they cut that because it gave away too much. There's something mm-hmm. there. There's something there. And I wonder, uh, Sora is Sora. That's Sora. But I wonder if he'll be referred to as Yuzora because it's just so, what Kingdom Hearts trailer have we seen where Sora doesn't get referred to by name? Yeah. Uh, I, I, what marketing I, I, department is going to agree <laughs> like that? I, I feel like, um, especially after Smash, like everyone knows who Sora is, right? Like, yes. especially after Smash Bros. I feel, I feel like with um, the Sora is Sora thing, and you mentioned Toy Box. I, I've been through such a whirlwind with Toy Box. I, that world was like one of my least favorites in three, not because I didn't like it. Like I love it. I love every world in three. I think I think in Cage three, I think the worst Disney world is better than most Cage worlds in three. I'm not gonna or better than not, most Cage uh, yes. worlds in the okay, series. I'll outright say it. Yes, Arendelle is a lot better than a lot of previous Disney worlds throughout the series. I, I, that Ice hey, Labyrinth was pretty I'm, slick. I'll give him that. I'm glad. I'm so glad I'm not the only person that thinks that. I definitely think that. I I think I made a whole honestly, video on how Arendelle can improve. I think it's I think it's the weakest world in three. But oh yeah. I believe so strongly in what you just said that even with it being the weakest, it's still like at the least par for the course for the series. Yeah, it's. I think the main thing that world suffered with was was its was its Party story member. for sure. I like Snowball or whatever the hell's name is, but like, yeah, what else that should have been your party member. We all know it. We all know it. <laughs> and have a little bit of cool moment. I feel like with um, <clears throat> Toy Box though, that world yes. has slowly become one of my favorite worlds in the series. Maybe not gameplay wise, but story wise, that is one of the best stories yeah. in the series, and it's purely because of how it could connect to Cage Four. Or future does. games Always and just the, the 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 mat like the, the the world thematically is so amazing like i constantly find myself going back to that world just to mm-hmm. find out more things about veramrex quadron tiny little details like you know there's a whole box art like for veramrex mm-hmm. with whole with like a whole world like a whole description and everything karma like a lot of people don't even, yeah. like then don't Look at that. I didn't think about that. Like on the back of the box, they talk about this karma power that like the world runs off of, or the or out of the gig the gig is runs off of so, something like that. There's there's a portal to Varum Rex in Toy Box, which I'm wondering if that gets expanded upon. Like that, like I I, I don't know. That's that's kind of a portal right there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with Young Xander talking about how he split the world up. That's the only world they say that with. Only world yep. they say that with. Yeah, like. That entire thing, young Xanor specifically was the one chosen for that world too. And we know young Xanor is like probably one of the more significant Xehanorts uh, out of all. He's of them. gonna be in Quadratum. He po- quite possibly for sure. So it's like him, young Xanor being the same Xanor who was chosen to be in the world where Quadratum was introduced, where Varum Rex was introduced, where Yazora is no introduced. No, definitely not non-accident. Also, another thing, a lot of other slight details like. 
Sora, when Rex calls uh, Sora Yazora in that world, Sora's at first like, what? But then, you know, you go into the game shop and you see the whole box art and all that stuff. And Rex shows Sora like, look, you see this? And it's like, Sora's like, I don't look that cool. And then when they leave, Sora talks to Donald. I just talked with him. Sora talks to Donald and is like, and Donald, uh, Sora says to Donald, I thought your magic decide how I look. And Donald's like, simple. That's not you. That is so blatant. So blatant. Like he's a simple, Donald's mm. straight up like, that is not you. And what, um, I think, I think in that same cutscene, they slightly mentioned Riku or Sora. Sora's like saying to himself, like, well, no, Goofy I, says I, I can, I can. More like Riku, yeah. Yeah, like Sora's like, I could look that cool. Like, you know, I got the hair and the like Sora's just trying to gas himself because like ah, people think Yazora looks cool. I, I can be cool too. But there's a Kingstagram thing. I, I whatever it's officially called, right? You know, the whole little Instagram yeah, yeah, thing yeah. they have. That there's a post from the Kingstagram where Sora straight up says Yazora just looks more like Riku. And I play into that in one of my videos, and I'm just like. What if like Yazora is uh what what if Yazora is meant to represent a version of Riku who got the keyblade, how it was quote originally supposed to be, which is interesting. Cause they I think this next story, Yazora is, is the whole story of Yazora is clearly a story about con contrasting positions and parallels yep. like to our reality and stuff. So um, I think Azora is some amalgamation of Riku and Sora, basically. That's what I'm saying, because of, like, those scenes. This is interesting. It's so lore-filled and fun to think about. But there's so much stuff in Toy Box. Toy Box is a... Oh, it, it, it has a lore dump look of what happens. Look what happens when you let Nomura do his thing in a Disney world. It gets crazy. Mm -hmm. It gets crazy. And then you get, an, you get a meme that's lasted almost half a decade. That Woody, like, pulling, pushing Sora back meme. Like... That we're almost half a decade, and that one keeps popping up. That's impressive. So, uh, Nomura's meme game, very strong. That said, we are coming up on two hours. Um, yeah. The only thing I guess I would want to say with uh, what you said with Yuzora there, being the amalgamation, sometimes I wonder if... So, you know how Brain said that he wants to be the virus in the master system? Yeah, and sometimes I wonder if Sora is the, like a virus that him and maybe the Blue Bloods or that bloodline created or something because he kind of fits the bill in the sense that he wasn't supposed to be a Keyblade wielder, but then he usurped Riku, right? And now let's skip ahead, right? Extend the olive branch here. Stretch with me, if you will. Let's go all the way to Quadratum now. Verum Rex, true king. True king. As if someone's like a rightful king, rightful wielder. And this guy specializes in stealing. He will take your weapon and make it his own. How is that any different than what Sora did to Riku? I almost wonder if that action of like Sora getting the Keyblade, if that like initiated the virus in some way. I don't know. It's... I'm definitely stretching, but... Nah, I mean, trust me, that's... Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> this is definitely Kingdom it's Hearts. That, that is not. Yeah. That could that could be that, that could definitely be be that for sure. Like that's Isora such an interesting character. I I have not. We have seen so little of him, but they have done a very good job at making him in interesting. Okay. Remember, made 
well sure of that. One thing I guess I wanted to say before we uh, leave, you mentioned something earlier about how you think the series ends or how the story ends yeah. and how it might end with like, not necessarily the happiest of endings, but like Sora and Kyrie being guardian. I feel like that, I feel like that very much so depends on <laughs> on how they want to end it because there's the Square Enix ending to the story, and then there's the Disney ending to the story. Oh, we probably know what the Disney ending is. Everyone lives yeah. happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. But depends on what, what route they go. Because Namura, as much as he loves doing what he wants, every the ending of Kingdom Hearts games are usually very, I won't say, they're, they, they're kind of Disney-esque. They, they have, they're like a mixture of both. Like, Birth by Sleep, very tragic, lots of tragedy. But then you have Blink Points, and Blink Points is like, hopeful super yes. hopeful like oh kingdom Hearts always makes sure as sad as it can make an ending always ends on a positive note or ends on a hopeful note at I least think that's the happiest so, ending you could ask for is soaring yeah to go for sure Never mind. i'm interrupting you you go on no you, i was done you're, you're good you sure okay I'm I'm, 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 i've done it a lot myself okay, <laughs> no worries but like it's uh i you know, I, I never thought of it like that, that this could be a Disney's like, wait, but if this is the ending ending, it needs to be X. So I could, I could, I could see that. Um, but maybe I'm weird. I almost feel like that's the happiest ending because then it's like, in a way, Sora and Kyrie get to be together forever. You know, they're almost immortalized. Their love, their bond is almost like immortalized in a way. Um, but I don't know. That's just, that's just my weird interpretation of it who knows how this thing ends all i know is and you know maybe before we wrap up you give some insight on this because i am curious what kingdom hearts fans think of this i think when eventually nomura is done with kingdom hearts um that pot that story needs to remain in its own pocket and if the series were to continue it, it's got to be an entirely other thing like it, it like you should just leave that nomura era alone because if you continue it without him here I, I don't see that going well. Historically, when a creator leaves a project, it normally doesn't go too well. So I feel like to almost avoid things like people, you know, being stingy with the source material or wanting things to be as honorable to Nomura's source work as possible, which you can't blame for people, you can't blame people for feeling that way. I almost feel like what Disney and Square may want to do is just move on to a different era, move on to a different story. I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think about that? <clears throat> that's a very good question i personally i think the kingdom Hearts series without namura does not need to be as in-depth as it is i think if a, if the series expands beyond namura they could just do what uh star wars is doing right now because i feel like i agree and well, disagree i think sequel trilogy and i'll agree with you yeah i Oh, we're on the same page on that one. Yeah, leave Lucas's <laughs> like, Lucas six episodes over there and then just go do your own thing in a galaxy mm -hmm. far, far away. They, they, we love Dave Filoni over here on the, in the Star Wars fan base. But yeah, um, yeah. I, think, I think traditionally speaking, um, when a creator leaves a project, it isn't always the best thing. There's always backlash. But I think eventually, I think... I think it's been proven to me a little bit. Things like with, with Star Wars, like with Marvel, with Sonic. Sonic's a good example of that, actually, for video games. When a franchise moves beyond its creator, it's not always the worst thing in the world. Because 
even if it just depends on who who's the successor. You have, need to have someone who's able to replicate that vision. If he's but mentoring to, somebody, like if he has a person he's mentoring, like the way Sakaguchi mentored him. I guess you could. You know, and felt felt safe leading the Final Fantasy series with Nomura in a way. If Nomura has a guy that he's mentoring like that, I, I think maybe it could work. Um, that could be Tyasu, to be honest. I could, could see be, it. It could be. I, if I could have it my way, if I could wave a magic wand, I would I would just end the series when Nomura's done. But I, I just don't see Square or Disney going for that. I think as a property, I, I think the games should end, probably. Like, like I don't... I don't mind like little small stuff here and there, but I think the main story, I agree. I think it should be wrapped up with Nomura. Like Nomura should finish his story and then he, he he's definitely retiring when he's done with Kingdom Hearts in my head. Like he has to retire after Cage. My tip, my, my conspiracy is that this arc, this Kingdom Hearts arc, is some of his last work. This Final Fantasy VII yeah. trilogy is some of his last work. And I think the Swan Song. Uh, the, honestly, this is just my own dose of hopium, but the swan song I want to believe is Final Fantasy X-3. And then I think I think that might be the end of that creative business unit. Because it breaks my heart, but these guys are getting... They are getting older. Yeah. Nomura's getting pretty old. And I, I, I feel bad for Nomura sometimes. It's like, when I, like, look... I don't know, like, look up stuff, like, about him, because there's not that much personal stuff about him out there. But the little bit there is... He just works a lot. Like it's not even necessarily because he wants to, but because he he's very, even though he's kind of like quiet from one of the scenes, he's very like creative oriented. Like he just yes. wants to create stuff. Like he he just wants to tell stories and do stuff like that. He he's clearly very passionate about that. So like while he gets put on a lot of projects, it, it definitely seems like he doesn't say no a lot because he he jumps at the opportunity to make to make a story and write a story he really enjoys and like that and that that he has to like put out there i feel like he got a little glimpse of that in his little 20th anniversary message and how he felt about the kingdom hearts you can tell it's a series that is very very near and dear to him that he creates but well, on yeah. the topic to finish my segment about a series about america i am iffy on it but it's like i want the games to end with him i want him i want there to be a clear story that's done with nomura so i agree have a story if a story without Nomura exists, have that be very separate. Just have that be yeah. separate. So at least the Nomura fans, if it is, if it is boo boo butt cheeks, whatever. If it is garbage, like, hey, at least we got the Dark Seeker saga tuned. Yeah. At least we got the Lost Master saga that we we can chill with, right? Um, but I do think as an IP, I think Kingdom Hearts as an IP is probably gonna. I I would imagine it lives forever in some capacity, unless like Disney decides to pull the plug. But I think if, as long as Disney's involved in Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts is immortalized. Especially if we get, like, as Kingdom Hearts gets more popular, which is only going to get more popular, we, we see Kingdom Hearts in Disney parks, or we see just a lot more merchandise for Kingdom Hearts that's around, like, like Disney parks, Disney World, etc. That's a way to, like, immortalize it, cement, cement it a lot more. Sora as a character is probably Disney's flagship video game character at this point. Yeah, like, when you think of Disney... He's the only think guy. Of Disney video games, like a video game created character for Disney. Not that's Sora. That is Sora right there. Yeah. I want. I hope one day Kyrie can actually be acknowledged. He could get the honor of being like an official like Disney princess, like just you know, a Square she, Enix related. She's the, she's the passer mark of mastery exam first. 
Yeah. Similar to like Merida or like Vanellope, how we've kind of got like our first like Pixar princesses through that. Um, I, I would love for Kyrie to be like the first like video game princess or like the some along cool. the lines. That that's a that that right there immortalizes Kingdom Hearts itself as well. So it's like I I want King I want people, I have this mix where I want people for future generations well past me to be able to have the enjoyment that I had with Kingdom Hearts. So I want it to stay around and be immortalized, but I also don't want don't want its legacy to be tainted by anyone past Nomura or if someone just tries to completely milk the property like dry or something. So it's a mix, but I'm mostly with you on that one. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I agree with everything you said right there. I want as many people as possible to bask in this and share it and experience it. But at the same time, I want the visionaries, be it Nomura and everybody in that creative unit. Um, I just want their vision respected. Um, and I don't want it tampered with or edited when they're gone. Because there's something about that I just think is a little disrespectful. Uh, but that's my own shit at the end of the day. Uh, but uh, closing in here at two hours and ten minutes. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, dude, I talk a lot. I'm sorry. Dude, that's fine. <laughs> that, dude, that, that makes you a good podcast guest. I've genuinely had a good time talking to you. I like picking your brain Same. on all this stuff. Um, you know, before we wrap up, maybe uh, give the people one last spin about who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. Well, my name is Prodigy XCD. I go by John, so you can just call me John uh, when you refer to me. But um, you can follow me on Twitter. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. I make lots of Kingdom Hearts videos. I'm sure I'm, may, maybe you've seen one. If you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm, maybe you've seen at least one of them. If not, hopefully you pick a good one to watch, whatever one interests you. And hopefully, you know, you stick with me from there. I definitely would say you should subscribe to, to Landy. And you should definitely watch some of these other podcast episodes because uh, this is really fun to be on. And I'm excited to maybe even be on more in the future or just, I don't know, do, well, do I more collabs. I owe you a live episode, dude. I owe you a live episode. I had a lot of people <laughs> reach out to me and say they wanted to, because we do usually when we reach like the one hour, we open up to the chat for questions and stuff like that. So I know I had a lot of people who were hoping to pick your brain on a couple things. So I owe it to them. We're going to have you back on once I get live working again and, yeah, we'll just chat up about some other stuff, but it's honestly been such a pleasure having you on. I recommend everybody who's watching, uh, everybody who's listening, whatever you prefer, uh, give this man a follow. I've gone and dropped all of his links in the episode description. He's tagged in the episode title. And if you're still having problems, well, then I can't help you. I made it as easy as I could. But anyway, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, would love to have you on again. And uh, yeah, just lots of gratitude for you giving us your time. So thank you. Not a problem. I hope you all have a good one. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm sorry for <laughs> I know I interrupted a decent bit That's and I talked funny. a lot. I I feel bad because like I I just talk a lot. I, I get super excited about Cage. Uh but I hope I hope you guys enjoyed the episode regardless. Hope you enjoy both of us talking and stuff. But that'll be it for me. Thank you guys so much for watching. My name is Prodigy and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace out to you guys. Bye. Later, sickos and normies. We'll see you on the next one.